Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 262! My name is NBZ, uh, and this is really, it's, it's really episode one of the new decade, Bally, is what it is, so we just reset the clock. We didn't do it back when we changed the name of the podcast, but now I propose we just go back to episode one again. Uh, just makes things a lot easier to No, this is just it. season two. The season two, season, season two, finally. Yeah. It's taken ten years, but we're in season two uh, season of two. the show. Um, so, Bally, what are you excited about season two uh, of the show? What are the new things uh, that are going to happen? Uh, there's going to be a Switch 2, like, oh, next that's true. year. Yeah, that's um, very true. And... I don't know. I think that's the most exciting thing that's going to, probably going to happen. Oh, and maybe GTA 6 is apparently going to come out sometime. Now, here's the thing, Everyone Bally. seems to be excited about. It's it's one of those things. Like, I, this is where I find myself sometimes where I'm like, you know, those people online who are like, I don't care about Nintendo, Mario, Zelda mean nothing to me like just doesn't stir their heart at all right and i'm like i don't understand you people as human beings like what is wrong with you fundamentally but then i sit here on this other side and i'm like grand theft auto it does it does literally nothing for me my heart is stone to it (laughs) i I do not have any kind of feelings whatsoever and and i see the rest of the world just losing their fucking minds about it uh and uh i get it's exciting it's one of those things that only happens i mean these days once in a decade um but uh but yeah i I don't know it's just it doesn't i'm just not a fan of rockstar stuff so that's just i know that like the wider world is losing their minds but i was whatsapping you today sort of saying i don't think my podcasting circles are necessarily losing their mind like i think mm. they like gta i think they put it on a par probably with red dead just as a very broad general straight statement about like mm-hmm. most podcasts i listen to so yeah it's interesting that they're not kind of losing their minds but then you look at the number of tweets and retweets that that original tweet had for the announcement of a trailer is just absolutely insane it is yeah it's the normie game for normies right like if you're it's just the mario kart for cool kids <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's um it's very much like if you know nothing about video games you know you've heard of grand theft auto right you yeah. know what that is yeah. so um yeah i mean it's it's unsurprising that it's uh it's gaining a lot of attention and probably is going to take away a little bit of the thunder from jeff Keeley. but uh in any case uh, i'm sure that uh, it'll be interesting to see what people say about it i don't know i'm very interested to see how this game does how it's received all that sort of stuff because i feel like um there are some companies, some games that come out, right? Like where it's like, this has been years and years in the making and then it comes out and it's like, well, you know, it maybe just didn't do what mm-hmm. uh, what people expected. Open uh, world games have evolved quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Even in the last two years, look at Elden Ring and Tears of the Kingdom and they're doing right. insanely different things to what open world games were doing five years ago, let alone when GTA V came out. Like it's, yeah, yeah. It's a lot it's, for that game to live up to no matter mm-hmm. what they, they go for with it. Yeah, it's... it's um yeah i think i feel like starfield's falling into this a little bit where it took a decade or whatever for starfield from the people first hearing about the name starfield to the game actually yeah. releasing and uh yeah it feels like they didn't move with the times necessarily um which is uh interesting and i, I wonder if uh, that'll happen to rockstar and gta um but we shall see we shall see there'll be more than enough people talking about it in the next uh, few weeks months years uh, for us to dwell on it too much so bali why don't you tell us what's on today's show of the podcast? Uh, for the first segment, we're going to talk about a couple of the games that you've been playing, MBZ, and then we are going to uh, go through some goatee Dakotis that uh, listeners sent in. Uh, and then for the second segment, we are going to go through our personal 
Go TT Dakotas. So that is our top 10 games that we played this year that didn't actually come out this year. Absolutely. Uh, a long tradition of this show uh, and one that uh, I always enjoy every time we come around to it. And uh, yeah, it feels like everybody has taken on the moniker. Everyone writing in uses it now, which is fun. So We're just saying we didn't really give it the biggest plug in last ep- the last episode. I think we forgot to because the last episode was our 10-year anniversary and so we weren't really thinking. We were quite preoccupied with 10-year anniversary, so we didn't give it the biggest shout-out. And that did not stop people writing in. They were like, yeah. the time has come. It's that time of year. We have to write in our go TT Dakota list. Uh, and so we got a, a bunch that we'll, we'll get to. Yes absolutely uh it'll be a good time and uh yeah it's very interesting i love seeing what the community is playing uh, and what old games continue to come up over the years but uh bali um i've got a couple of little games i just wanted to shout out and talk about um so one of them uh, you'll see I've written down watermelon game on the list. Now, okay. Bally, do you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say watermelon? I have never heard of either of these games. Okay, great. Uh, so, watermelon game, more commonly known as Suica game. Um, so, this is a really weird story where, basically, this game came out on Nintendo Switch two years ago in Japan, in, like, 2021. And I don't think it did super well. It just was on the eShop, and it was there, it existed. And then, like, a month ago... Um, it got localized into English, and so it got put on the eShop across the world that wasn't just Japan. And I started seeing in like YouTube recommendations and my YouTube feed, there's a bunch of VTubers who just start playing this game called Suica Game. And I'm like, what is this thing? What's going on? And then like a week later, I see an article saying Suica Game sold 3 million copies on Nintendo Switch. If you go on the Switch right now and go to the top downloaded games, it's likely number one or number two or number three right now. Um, It's only like £2.50. And it is, yeah, it sold like millions of copies at this point in time. So it's one of the most popular games on Switch right now. Um, And uh, the reason the I think one of the ways I knew they had broken through is I saw that Nick on Twitter was playing it. I'm like, if Nick is playing it, then that means it is broken through to an audience who I'm not going to, I think Nick plays like lots of games, but he's going to kind of gravitate towards ones that are in the public consciousness or that like a lot of streamers are playing or people are playing. And so I saw that and I'm like, interesting. This is definitely like become a thing. Um, and so what it is, is it's basic, it's basically just like a mobile puzzle game. If we're going to get down to brass tacks about what it really is. So here's the idea. You have this, block okay you have this kind of cube it's not a cube it's a rectangle you're dropping stuff into it uh i guess tetris like in a way but what you drop is you drop these fruits and so the smallest fruit is a cherry and the biggest fruit is a watermelon and what happens is you drop a cherry and if you drop another cherry next to it they will combine into a strawberry and if you drop another strawberry onto that strawberry it will become a grape and if you drop a grape onto the grape, it becomes an orange. Drop an orange onto an orange, it becomes, I think, a mango. And eventually it grows through these like 10 different cycles of fruit to become a watermelon. And it sounds very simple, and it is, but there's a lot of strategy to this game where you are dropping these fruit, and sometimes, like, there's a physics to it, right? So all of these are circular fruit, and they have a kind of friction on them against each other so you will drop down you know these strawberries and grapes and 
you might get to a point where you are not getting the fruit that you need and you're like oh god i really I, it's like tetris right you're want, you're waiting for the long block but you're not getting the long block and you're just trying you're biding your time and you're like i want to pop this up here and i hope it stays there but because of the physics because it's a like you know you could drop a grape on top of an apple but if the grape is dropped in a spot where it's a little bit on the edge it will roll off the apple onto uh, you know underneath it or whatever and so you are carefully trying to match these together to create those like satisfying chain reactions where you drop it and it's like boop, 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 and then all of a sudden you have something that is like transformed into a much bigger object and you've gotten rid of a lot of your junk and the screen is a bit more clear again and you have a bit more space to work with but the bigger the object is the more space it takes up and so the idea is that you want to it's a high school game essentially so there really isn't an end goal the, the idea is just like drop all the fruit that you can in here and get the highest score possible but i think really for me i was like i'm probably gonna be not done with this game but my goal is i just want to get the watermelon and it's a lot harder <laughs> than it looks to just get the watermelon because to get the you upgrade 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 and it's the top of the tree right? is the, it's the very top right right so in order to get the watermelon you need to have two regular melons and getting to a regular melon means cherry to strawberry strawberry to grape grape to orange orange to mango mango to apple apple to um there's another there's like three more in between there so but you th- but the 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 biggest um denomination that you get to drop i think is is the one below apple which i think i'm calling it mango it's just like it's a larger orange shaped a grapefruit thing. i guess it's a grapefruit yeah right. probably is that is that what it's saying is that you're looking that up i'm is guessing that, you're guessing okay let's, let's just say that it's a grapefruit but like um that is the biggest one that it will let you drop so it won't let you drop anything higher than that so you'll never get an apple to drop apple's pretty big so you only have like numbers one through six but there are let's say 10 11 overall right so that's the goal is you want to use these smaller denominations in order to eventually sticky all these together and then finally manage to get that watermelon and it took me i want to say it took me like six seven tries probably in order to do it um it's a great in bed game this is one of those ones where i'm like right before bed i'm just gonna knock out a round it'll probably take me between 10 and 15 minutes to do a round um and yeah you just you just get on a roll and it just is that satisfying feeling of clicking things together getting things to squeeze together and you have those moments of like okay so there's this strawberry it's just like underneath this other one but there's a bit of a gap there so if i drop another strawberry in that gap and then i drop a bigger thing on top of it the physics will push the strawberry down and hopefully the spinning circular nature of the fruit will just kind of force it through and then i'll get it to connect and it will become a grape and there's another grape beneath it and boom 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 and it all just links together um it's really satisfying really cheap um so i'd recommend it to anyone honestly if you just want like a game to play on the train or a game to play before bed with a podcast or just something to just pass the time it's a lot of fun um and i think it i I feel like this can work on other devices i think there's a bunch of knockoffs like i've seen a bunch of steam knockoffs of it there's like a website you can go to that's a knockoff but i think the the thing that makes this actual official version good is that it has this really nice sense of the physics model where the fruits will move around in a satisfying way and you can manipulate them and there feels like there's more strategy to it 
uh by by having that stuff included so um yeah i i think that uh suica game uh is very good and is very cheap and you don't lose anything from just buying it and giving it a go and uh seeing what it's like uh and yeah i uh you know I'm, I'm, i've got the watermelon but i would like to get a higher score nick so I, I posted that i'd got the watermelon on twitter and then nick's like now get three thousand points and i'm like hmm now i need to see what what is nick's high score because that's the real goal here is to uh is to beat him at this game but yeah the first time i got the watermelon i got to 2500 so it's not that far off mm. um but I've, I've looked at the leaderboard and the lead is the thing where you just start crying you're like how the fuck how it, this just seemed ridiculous i think the highest score is like fourteen thousand. i'm like that doesn't make any sense how do you do this because here's the problem uh the game is over when you overflow the basket again very similar to tetris right where you hit the top that's game over if any of the fruit is over the top of the basket that's it game over basically so i imagine if you once you have two watermelon like that's pretty that feels like the maximum you can do before something's gonna get pushed over the edge they just take up so much space exactly so i'm I'm like is the strategy here that people are just making it so watermelon yeah not not even last minute but like manipulating it so that you don't get watermelons at all until you have the maximum points and then have all the watermelons happen um that might be the case but um anyway it's it's great uh everyone should give it a go uh it's super cheap uh it's fun i like it watermelon game um uh, the other thing that I've been checking out is a game called Time on Frog Island. Uh, now, this is a fun thing because, Bally, this is one of the first video games I ever assessed professionally. Uh, it's it's a game that uh, back then it was called Trading Time. Um, and it was very much a... Uh, I remember uh, talking about it internally at the company and being like, oh, this is kind of like a short hike um, mm. from a... Uh, from a visual perspective and from a... I think the new name is stronger. Uh, interesting, because, yeah, I... I didn't at the time. I was like, oh, that's interesting. They tra- they changed the name to that because I think trading time is a... I think it's a bit more generic, um, but I think it, it spoke to what the game was trying to do. I would say this is a kind of a blend of a short hike and the Link's Awakening side quest uh, where you trade stuff, right? Where okay. you get one thing from one person, give it to the other person. Um, and so you are this, this little sailor guy uh, who has crash-landed on this island. Uh, the island is just filled with frogs. It's a frog island, basically. Um, and none of these frogs speak a language they only talk to you in emoticons essentially and so they will be like so the first frog you meet he's an artist um and he's at his canvas and he you know when when you talk to him a speech bubble comes up and in the speech bubble it's like here's like a paint and it's got like a question mark next to it and so you look around and you realize, oh, there's a bottle of paint. I'm going to bring it over to him. There we go. Now he's going to start doing his painting, right? So that's kind of a simple introduction to it, how it works. And this island is pretty much open from the beginning. So you can kind of go anywhere and everywhere. And um, there is a bit of a day night cycle. So you will eventually get to night and you'll get tired and you'll have to build a campfire and fall asleep. So I think it's a bit of a weird mechanic. I, I, I don't really... I think there's some things that use it later on and understand why it's in there but it feels like early on it kind of limits exploration um i think part of my issue with the game is that it's i like i really love the aesthetic of it it's beautiful it has this very kind of um soft style to it it's painterly in a way but it has it's it's a 3d look but it's just it's very bright and colorful uh, and very poppy and um it's just a chill kind of uh aesthetic which i think it looks amazing in this trailer i'm, I'm looking yeah at. yeah it's, it's really nice looking and, and, and it's really really soft and, and fun in that way um <clears throat> but i think it's 
because it uses the frogs use these kind of emojis emoticons to talk to you it start you you feel overwhelmed at the very beginning right because i think the the difficult thing about a, a system like this where it's like links awakening trading quest is in that game they start you off and then you're like here's this thing and you keep this one thing and you'll eventually chain it together whereas this game is more like you can kind of approach any of these four or five things in whatever order you want and whichever one you figure out first is the one that you're then going to start the chain reaction but starting the chain reaction in the first place i actually think is the hardest thing in this game um the idea is that because your boat is broken you need a canvas uh to fix the sail is the whole you... game the trading line more or less yeah pretty pretty okay. much yeah so you need the canvas and i wouldn't say it's a straight trading line where you have to do one thing to another they're kind of segmented so like the one where you need to get the wheel is its own segment kind of quest versus the one oh, where you right. need to get some woods to fix your ship or the one to get the rudder there's interconnections between them but um but yeah i i think just the starting point for them is a little tricky just because you're overwhelmed there's like 12 different frogs on the island and in the first day i just talk to a bunch of them and a lot of them will like pop up this emoticon of like here's the face of another frog but i haven't seen enough of the frogs to recognize them all yet so i don't know who you're talking about and then sometimes there'll be question marks and exclamation marks next to items and objects that i have not found yet or i don't know if i find them in the world or if they are part of a chain yet so i think that that first two or three days of the game i actually didn't make a lot of progress it was really about exploring the island and finding stuff and figuring out is this useful what do i use this for how do i do it um i'm not asking for more tutorialization i think just some of the ways in which it goes about letting you go in any direction it feels like it should have uh introduce things more like pointers or like you yeah. need a formal tutorial you can just have right. little reminders hey actually this totally. is how you do this or you know or just getting you started on a chain from the beginning to begin with just to ease you into it a bit because i do yeah. think it just gets a little bit do like a really mini little chain at the start in the first 20 minutes right yeah exactly like a um you know it's like the uh what you call orchard from witcher 3 or the great plateau the great from breath of wild yeah, right like sp- small spaces like mini versions of the big space you'll eventually explore yeah. um and i think that um that would have definitely helped but um but i did really enjoy it i think it's it only took me a couple of hours it's like two and a half hours long um and you know you'll you'll you know have these fun uh realizations of oh in order to so there's this axolotl who's like lounging on this chair in order to get to them you can get them a couple of ways i kind of got into their pen by going up the mountain then dropping down because there's a guard blocking the way the guard won't let you in but i kind of like circumvented it by just jumping into the pen from a mountain above um and they are asking for a flower that is a sunflower but it's like blue and you're like wait a second i've seen sunflowers but i haven't seen blue ones and then you realize that when it rains the sunflowers change into a different type of flower this kind of blue kind of rainy sunflower um and so you have to wait until it rains then go to that spot on the island in order to bring it back to that axolotl so it's those little things where you have those mini puzzles of oh i've seen this thing but how do i make it into that one of them's like a frozen thing a lot of people asking for this frozen drink and that involves going up onto the high mountain where it's snowy and finding you know cold things up there to bring back down in order to synthesize this thing um so yeah it's, it's got a, a little bit of uh kind of concocting stuff to it and uh you know like this whole quest of getting scarecrow's heads and you use those scarecrow heads to um you know scare away 
uh, ravens from uh, the fruit and so the fruit kind of is then used for other stuff so everything kind of links together in a fun way um and yeah it's it's a very chill uh kind of little adventure like i said short hikey in its tone is it anywhere and near of... as good as a short hike or no, is it no, just, no 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 it's just a so. bit clunky and it's yeah I, I wouldn't say clunky i think it's just it could use a bit more um a bit more direction uh that isn't and i don't think you know when i when i say this like i like the fact that the game lets you kind of wander around and figure out yourself but i think it just it just needs to ease people into things a bit more um and uh yeah get get things going but yeah it's 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 very short it's very neat um and uh yeah i enjoyed it so Great. that is time on frog island and yeah you can check it out it's on switch as well so those are the couple of little games that i've been playing uh but bali I think it is time to get into our listener, Goatee T. Dakotis. Uh, of course, if you are a new listener and you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking, of course, about Game of the Year that didn't actually come out this year, uh, which we could use for our actual Game of the Year as well if we just change it to Game of the Year that did actually come out this year. <laughs> but, uh, but You know, uh, all these other podcasts, they're going to be doing their games that came out this year. You know, yes. and We're going to do that as well, but it's like the nice thing about our show is we like to shine a light on games that didn't actually come out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always been a tradition, always going back and playing old stuff. Worked well when we were playing the Wii U and Nintendo released mm. about two games a year. That was uh-huh, yeah, kind no. of where this stemmed from. It's very helpful, it's very helpful. But I think it's, it's very interesting because I find that, um, you know, people who listen to podcasts... Uh, they are very different to people who are on podcasts because if you're on a podcast you're always playing stuff all the time if you're listening to podcasts you're often going to be like i want to hear about stuff but i'm probably only going to play you know this thing that i you know bought a year ago and wanted to check out instead like i what i'm saying is a lot of our listeners i think play more older games than they do yeah. newer games also kudos um, to everyone for like playing 10 games because oh you know, yes. we play ridiculous numbers of games but we you know before the podcast started i wasn't playing many more than 10 games no. a year for sure so yeah absolutely it's, it's um so so yeah and i think we generally every year i think we find that we get more of this list than the actual game of the year list i think that's because yeah again most people don't buy new games when they come out uh every single time yeah, so yeah. um but uh but yeah it's always it's always a fun time and uh, bali before we get into the listener go to t dakotis do you want to remind people where they can send their emails mm-hmm. because next week sorry in two weeks time we will want to hear your list for your 2023 game of the years the ones that did come out this year um so where can they send those to bali please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com um, and we also have a channel on our discord server it's called emails so stick the, your lists in there and that's for games that came out this year they can be on nintendo they can be non-tender we're going to do a non-tender list as well as a nintendo list mm-hmm. so you can just make clear what it is and then, then you yeah. can give it to us absolutely we'll read some of um, that that for for listeners there aren't really any rules uh we'll, we have our own rules for certain things yeah. that we do but uh but yeah uh, that's how it goes uh bali would you like to read the first list our first list is from sullivan who says hello gentlemen i look forward to listening to the goatee extravaganza because i almost never play games when they are new i'm combining my lists i hope you both can forgive me Number 10, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Number 9, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Number 8, Soma. Number 7, Grapple Dog. Number 6, Solar Ash. Number 5, If Found. They said, thematically, this game hit very close to home. I think the erasing mechanic was a fantastic way to bridge narrative and gameplay as well. Number 4, Mother 3. Even after having the game 
having the game for me spoiled many times over, it still hit hard. It is just as good as its predecessor, even though it is a very different game. Uh, number three, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. As someone who has not played Breath of the Wild since 2017, this felt like a very fresh experience. It definitely started showing cracks by the end for me, though. Number two, Metroid Dread. The finale was the pop-off of the century. Top-notch game. And then number one, Anodyne 2 Return to Dust. I've never played a game that felt as made for me as this one. Aesthetics, narrative, and gameplay hit a perfect confluence for me for me here that will stick with me for many years to come. It is definitely an all-time top 10 as well. Sorry for all the words. Have a wonderful new year, and I look forward to hearing more hot takes soon. Sincerely, Sully. Good stuff. Uh, I heard some good stuff about the original Anodyne. It's a Zelda-like game, uh, very much in the kind of minish cap, top-down visual aesthetic. All right, yeah. And I looked up Anodyne 2, and it feels like it's blending 3D with 2D. It looks very cool. It looks very interesting. Wow. So, and when did that uh, come out? Uh, I think it was like last year or something, Anodyne 2. Okay, cool. uh, I heard stuff about it. But um, yeah, no, that's that's very cool um, to see that. And that made number one as well. So yeah. uh, Zelda fans out there, Anodyne is definitely one that I want to have a look at at some point. So yeah. that's, that's Nice really to cool see it found in there. I've heard yes. a couple of podcasts listen to mention that this year. And yeah, it's we really enjoyed that last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, yeah, I just want to mention as well. So a lot of these lists... I have cut stuff out of, so apologies that we don't read everything, but we just want to get through everybody uh, and not uh, give too much time if people have written full essays, which I appreciate and I thank everyone for. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll just, just cut some stuff down, so uh, that's just how it's going to go. So uh, our next list is from Noah. Noah says, Hey, Bally and MBZ, it's the most goatee tea dakoti time of the year. Uh, <laughs> this is the second year that I have tracked my completed games on how long to beat. And like last year, I have some stats to illustrate my last year of gaming. Uh, so Noah gave a bunch of stats. I've cut down to uh, the most important ones. Uh, in 2023, I completed 13 games so far. These games represent 454 hours of playtime. That's the best stat right there. It's a great stat. Man. <laughs> Love that stat. Um, my longest game was Persona 5 Royal, which I played for 140 hours on the Switch. So out of those four, 454... I think, I think we need to start lists on how long to beat because you get your hours total. Oh, that's true. That's true. We need to make accounts on there. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing to do. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's a ridiculous amount. Um, and uh, I don't need one. to read this last point. Anymore. No, that's no, I will. I will shout one. this last one out loud. My <laughs> lowest rated game was Metroid Prime Remastered, which I gave a four out of ten. Brackets. I'll let NBZ speak on oh. this one. Well, I, I still have to do that still. So, well, you're going to play this holiday season. You're going to play Metroid Prime, and I'm going to. Sp- play sonic mania that's uh-huh. like my christmas game for when we, we've uh-huh. done our podcast and we'll come back in january with some thoughts could i ask for a better gift uh, than metro primary master <laughs> probably yeah actually uh, but we'll it's see the best um, gift you could possibly hope for yeah. they even remastered uh, it for you what more could you want <laughs> i know it's they're so kind uh anyway now on to my go go dt to Cody top five list number five return of the obra din number four persona four golden number three hades number two death's door number one persona five royal as you can see 2023 was an awesome year of gaming for me i have so many good memories from this year bally needs to get on to playing persona 5 royal for sure once again thank you both for providing us with a year of excellent podcasts and fun conversations in discord the tnl community is awesome and i'm glad to be a part of it best wishes noah um well thank you very much noah um, I'll, I'll get to persona but it's on my long games list and i get through my long games very slowly so at the moment i'm playing tears of the kingdom 
And then my next long game that I want to try and beat next year is Elden Ring. And Elden my next Ring, long game yes. I want to try and beat after that is actually Witcher 3. Witcher so, 3, uh-huh. Um, so I, I would say Pencil and Persona 5 Royal for like 2036, exactly. maybe? We'll get I think. there. We'll get there. And there was a few long games that came out this year that got in the way, like Octopath Traveler 2. So um, By the time you get round to a Persona game, Bally, there'll be a new Persona game exactly. out. And it'll That's probably be better to play on. that at the time, I think. Yeah. So. We'll get but there. we'll see. Uh, all right uh bali want to take the next one our next one's from albert says dear mbz and bali although bali comparing the beatles to the nes was my spiritual low point of the year (laughs) your podcast has provided me with countless hours of entertainment so i'll forgive you uh, this cardinal sin once i didn't find as much time to play games as last year and have thus restricted myself uh to a top five go tt dakoti list number five yoshi's island number four curry 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 (laughs) Curry. Curry, Kirby. <laughs> Number four, Kirby Planet Robobot. Number three, Freshly Frosted. Number two, Cuphead. Number one, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I'd also like to belatedly offer my congratulations for your recent 10-year podcasting anniversary. I, for one, will be sticking around until MBZ's big secret can be revealed in 2033, and I'm sure there's many other lunatics like me. It's also made me realize that I've been listening to MBZ's voice on the internet for more than half my life now, which is absurd, but I guess that's how time works. A very merry festive season to you and your loved ones, Albert. But this just makes me question how old Albert is. That's all. And it just makes me want to melt into the ground, really. Uh, but but still. I just want to reiterate that, like, it's going to be worth waiting 10 years for this secret. <laughs> I, I just I don't want to egg it too much. Maybe I've egged it too much. But well, in some ways, I've not really egged it enough. But no. yeah, it'll be worth waiting for. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I just want to jump in. Freshly Frosted. That's the uh-huh. kind of game I saw doing really well on, like, Open Critic and never it's like a puzzly donut game it's a right? donut puzzle game yeah. i actually own it because i got a review oh, for freshly it. frosted yeah nice. I, I have not played it It kind of it's in the mold of um oh, there was another so you know seren um she does a bunch of those games has worked on publishing with a bunch of those games like they're very much puzzle games they're always very similar in that vein and freshly frost frosted is in that vein i can't remember the company i think it's begins with a d i can't remember the name of the publisher right. anyway um they they do a bunch of puzzle games like that and freshly frosted is like a donut puzzle game basically in that vein um which uh yeah i should check it out i remember daniel bloodworth on easy allies talking about it as well um so that's a cool pick for sure uh lovely our next one comes from victory star who says dear nbz and bally first off congrats for 10 years of running the show it's always been a pleasure listening to both of you while working now for my personal top three goatee t dakoti list number three dock upon kingdom connect i played this game with two of my friends online i'm sure glad it was not local because we would have tried to stab each other over all the horrible <laughs> things that occurred in the game if you can find friends that can get together once a week to play i highly recommend this game however be prepared for massive amounts of salt Uh, number two final fantasy pixel remaster i enjoyed this game a whole lot more than i thought i was going to it was great naming all my party members as my raid friends from final fantasy 14 and trying to get them in their jobs from that game it was also cool seeing the origin of a lot of the characters and music that future games would reference number one sekiro shadows die twice sekiro has gone on to be in my top 10 favorite games of all time after finishing it this year combat is honestly closer to a rhythm game with how your goal is to deflect attacks thrown your way to break enemy posture and kill them with a shinobi death blow however i still think this game is fantastic 
fantastic and were it not for it coming out the same year I got addicted to Final Fantasy 14 it probably would have been my go-to for 2019 thank you for taking the time to read hope it wasn't too rambly congrats again for 10 years of the show and here's to another 10 victory star so uh yeah Dock One Kingdom Bally we should uh, get on uh, <laughs> it's very okay. Mario Party-esque that All right, yeah. um, I think um, I think the Runaway guys uh, played it um, so uh, Chuck Conroy and Nintendo Capri Sun and Proton John I think they've played some Dock One Kingdom before I have seen some of stuff from that game it seems pretty stupid and absurd uh, and yes I imagine frustrating in a Mario Party type of way um, so that that's, is, that's a lot of fun our next one is from wicked gamer uk allen they said hi bally and mbz what a year for gaming it's been it's been a non-stop firehouse of fun with a wide variety of games that have truly made this one of the best years ever in gaming also just to say congrats on 10 years of podcasting i've enjoyed all the episodes that come out and like bally there have been many a time i've been on a run and then downloaded a game when i got home because of hearing you two discuss it here's to 10 more years here are my lists for both games that came out this year and games that didn't come out didn't come out this year. So we'll go for the ones that obviously didn't come out this yes, year. Yeah. Number five, The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. Number four, Dead Cells. Number three, Dragon's Dogma. I'm not usually a fan of fantasy role-playing games, but the unique hooks of this game made it feel more interesting. This is a great example of a game that I wouldn't sit down on the sofa to play, and having it on the Switch made jumping in and making progress much easier for my playstyle. Number two, Cyberpunk 2077. Does this one count? I'm not sure anymore, but man, is this game fun. The atmosphere, the story, the acting are all awesome. Uh, Sure, it's not perfect, but I love getting lost in Night City and the gameplay uh, mechanics are fun fun to boot. Number one, Hollow Knight. Wow, wow, wow. Love this game. I can't believe it took me so long to finally play it. What's to say that hasn't already been said? Great controls and mechanics, the right level of challenge and exploration, and the animation is just fantastic. All the elements come together to make this an awesome game. It's not perfect, but it's surely a classic for the ages. And man, oh man, does it look great on the OLED Switch. Imagine playing Hollow Knight for the first time on the OLED Switch. That's that's a dream. It's frankly a dream. Um, yeah, Cyberpunk is really had a bit of a year with the whole expansion stuff. I might have to put it on my long games list. Yeah, Cyberpunk I guess so. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I I bought Cyberpunk the day it came out and then never played it uh, because it just didn't work on my old PC. It was th- that busted. Um, but uh, you know, I've I've been thinking a lot recently about well, it's it's Christmas time. I've got time off. Mm. Do I just install Cyberpunk? I kind of want to wait until the DLC is on sale to do it though because it sounds okay. better to like do it with the dlc at the same time you know um so yeah I might but it do does that. also sound like the updates in the main game are really great um yes which is, yeah. it was needed absolutely and uh shout out to dragon's dogma uh, i have it on switch I, it was like four quid in a sale recently so i picked it up uh dragon dogma 2 coming out early next year and people like people who love dragon's dogma they love Dragon's Dogma. It's like the only thing they talk about. So it's one of those games that I do want to I definitely play. missed that um, was on Switch. Yes, yes, on Switch. It's a good version as well, apparently. So yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Um, my colleague, Wout, is maybe the most, the biggest Dragon's Dogma fan. I I know. Probably the brig- biggest Dragon's Dragon Dogma fan vocally on Twitter. Uh, okay. So, um, wow. so yeah, so I, I need to play at some point uh, just for, for him alone. Um, lovely. Uh, so... Our next one is from Matraya, and Matraya says, With it being such a strong year, even as someone who only owns a Switch, I sadly didn't get to as many older games as I hoped, but I still had some great times with a few. So, number six, Switch Sports Golf. 
Number five, Bayonetta 2. Number four, FIFA 11 Wii version. <laughs> now hear me out. This is the only good FIFA to exist. I played this at a friend's house and it's such a broken mess that it's unintentionally amazing. There are so many absurd glitches that left us in tears. Number three, Fire Emblem 8 Sacred Stones. Uh, it makes it this high thanks to its fun cast and good plot. That said, every map was solved by moving Seth forwards, which really took away from any fun the gameplay may have provided. Number two, The Gardens Between. I played this a few years back, but was a complete fool with puzzle games and may have googled most of the solutions. I came back with a few easier puzzle games under my belt and found a very engaging and well-designed game. And number one, VVV VVV. This is a platformer in its most pure form. The level design is absolutely wonderful, the movement is simple, but it has a huge skill ceiling, and the soundtrack is non-stop bangers. Shoutouts to Switch Sports Golf which we had a good time playing switch sports was that last year right and i think it was yes. yeah and we i was looking forward to the golf update and then it just yeah we just completely we just didn't, didn't play it do that and we probably owe it to ourselves to try that one day but um but yeah. yeah i do i i i think did we do youtube videos on uh we sports club was it yes i think we did and you beat um, me at golf I did I did I win? Oh my god, Somehow. that's great! Yeah, it's like the only yeah. time you've beaten me at Wii Sports Golf, and it yeah. was filmed <laughs> on your YouTube channel. But. Of course, you know that's how the way it goes. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'd like to go back to that. And uh, yeah, number one and number two, two very TNL games: Guns Between and VVVVVV, which is very very, very nice good to see. games. Uh, very good good games. stuff. All right, our next one is from Tim who says it was a great year for new games but every year is a great year to check out some older games. Here were my top ten favorites of not twenty twenty three. Number 10, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Number 9, Star Wars Squadrons. Number 8, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Number 7, The Messenger. Number 6, Vampire Survivors. Number 5, Citizen Sleeper. Number 4, Cadence of Hyrule. Sorry, Cadence of Hyrule, Crypt of the Necrodancer, featuring The Legends of Zelda, the longest official title ever. And my top 3. Number 3, Pentiment, a truly unique game. I love getting to know the people of the small town over the generations and, un- and unraveling the different mysteries across the three acts. Number two, Disco Elysium. I have a hard time explaining what makes Disco Elysium so special. The dialogue system and writing in this game are just on another level. Constantly engaging and hilarious while exploring the character's psyche and driving the entire narrative through its twists and turns. Plus, Kim Kitsuragi is simply one of the best video game companions of all time. Number one, Persona 5 Royal. I'm cheating a bit here as P5R was my goatee T Dakota last year too, but having only played half the game last year and then putting in another 60 hours to finish it this year, it would just be wrong not to put it in this spot again. Memorable characters and villains put this game, the, uh, the royal added content in particular, in the top tier of video game narratives. Excellent. Uh, I think about Pentiment constantly. Mm. Uh, it's a game that is just so fucking good uh and yeah i i think more people need to play it um and i, I yeah again i feel like it got talked about a lot of the time but uh, not as many people have talked about it this past year uh overall but uh yeah uh disco elysium one i need to get to i have it on steam deck ready to go whenever uh it's ready and waiting I for should me get, i should so. i hear the switch port is bad but i should pick yeah. it up on something else but yeah yeah i think ps5 or xbox would be good for that probably i but, want to uh, give shout outs to star wars squadrons that mm. game does not get enough love and it was one of the most impressive vr experiences i've ever had it was so cool just like piloting different ships from star wars and doing that in vr was insane even on ps4 really cool yeah absolutely 
Uh, all right, our next list is from McBoss. Uh, hi, guys. Long-time friend of the show. Here is my top list, my list of top 10 games I beat this year that didn't come out this year. Congrats on 10 years and being the top of my podcast list on Spotify. Hey, there you go. Um, at number 10, Super Mario Kart. Number 9, Sin and Punishment, Successor of the Skies. Number 8, Bug Fables. Number 7, sorry, num- yes, number 6, Box Boy. Number... S- sorry number seven box boy i don't know why for some reason my brain thought that number eight to number seven was wrong and i should say six (laughs) instead (laughs) let's go through that again so number eight was bug fables number seven box boy number six platoon three number five warrior land the shake dimension number four live alive and let's get into the top three number three kirby and the forgotten land a great transition into 3d for kirby really enjoyed enhancing the power-ups and doing the little challenge levels spectacular game and i'm a big fan of kirby games so i'm just really glad they nailed it with this one number two smt5 funny story with this game is that it was a complete surprise for my girlfriend last christmas she was looking for games i might like watched the trailer and decided on this so glad she got me it because i wouldn't have picked it up for myself and i really vibed with it loved how batshit jrpge this game is and all of the mythology legend religious aspect of the monsters but the whole experience is what really pushes this up the list number one wario land three what an amazing game it's metroidvania-esque before i even knew what they were and how much i loved them it's got me thinking is this why i love metroidvanias there's a great feeling as you get the upgrades and unlockable levels the feeling of progression as wario breaks through harder and harder blocks wario's character is so much fun i've beat this game before but this is my first time getting 100 so it counts as my goatee t dakoti is it a nostalgia pick hell yeah is it purely nostalgia no way this game is awesome and holds up incredibly well thanks guys all the best mcboss uh so yeah some some cool picks in there for sure uh i need to play the sin and punishment games both the original which i've had on wii u and it's now on the n64 thing on switch uh, mm-hmm. as well as the sequel which i think is also on wii u mm-hmm. um which i did i shit did i download that before the wii u disappeared fuck i'm not sure if i did i need to <laughs> i need to go and check uh but i would like to play the, the successor as well our next list is from man bear who says in the few years i've put a list like this together this go tt dakoti list was the toughest for me to order a lot of great games but anything between my number three and 13 felt like it could be swapped around depending on the day here's my list as it stands today honorable mentions metal gear sorry metal hell singer warrior wear inc and titanfall 2 number 10 Chained Echoes, number 9, Forza Horizon 5, number 8, Donkey Kong 94, number 7, Pokemon Trading Card Game, number 6, Spider-Man, number 5, Metroid Fusion, number 4, Return of the Oberdin. This is the most unique game I've played in a long time. The large overarching puzzle is put together in such a clever way that I couldn't stop thinking about it for most of the week I spent playing. Number three, Horizon Forbidden West. A great sequel to the first game. The map icons can be a bit overbearing and I definitely had some issues with bugs and janky platforming. But once you get past all that, there's a beautiful game with a really interesting story and fun combat that allows you to approach it in many different ways. Number two, Melatonin, a very polished rhythm game filled with fun minigames that had great music to go along with them. Clearly inspired by Rhythm Heaven, would love to find more games like this one. Number one, Citizen Sleeper. This was a no-brainer at number one. What a special narrative experience that's impossible to replicate outside of gaming. It was an emotional journey that I had trouble putting down. I don't think there's much to be said that hasn't already been said on this podcast, so I'll leave it at that. Great stuff. Uh, Great game. Very good picks there. 
Yeah, I mean, Citizen Sleeper is, again, another game I still think about. Last year was very, very good for that stuff, right? Mm. Um, with, with those types of narrative games, I think it was extremely strong. Um, so, yeah, glad to see all the love that that's getting. And, you know, it's good to see that even in this year, people still believe Metroid Fusion, an excellent video game that's worth putting on a list. I'm glad to see this, not just my nostalgia, uh, making me always shout about Metroid Fusion uh, and that people still like it today. Uh, which is good um i i really want to play melatonin um there's this kind of indie uh i don't know rise up of rhythm heaven likes starting to appear um because nintendo refuses to make them and so melatonin came out the one that i'm looking forward to is called bits and bops that's the one that feels like the most rhythm heaven likes i'm, I'm mm. hoping that that comes out uh, next year and is, is good so we'll see uh all righty uh so Next up is Jackpot with a very short list. Uh, he says, not enough time to write descriptions, but here's my top five. At number five, For the King. Number four, Tiny Kin. Number three, Florence. Number two, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And number one, Eastwood. Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, those are some strong TNL uh, picks there for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, Ori and Eastwood in the same year. I mean, can you get? Is there better gaming like time spent than those games in the same year? It's pretty fucking great stuff. I feel like the the counter to Ori with Eastward would be, um, is it what would it be? Hades with Metroid Dread. Those yes, were like the top yeah. two battles of e- yeah. each year. So exactly. Yeah, that's your next year, perhaps. Absolutely. Our next list is from Flapjackal. Again, says, unfortunately, I'm at work on the Saturday, so I can't be descriptive. But here are my top five goatee T Dakotis. Uh, number five, Ocean Heart, a neat little Zelda-like game I've had in my backlog for a while. Number four, Death's Door. I kind of wish I would have played this last year before Tunic, as it just felt like tu- Tunic light without the big secret twist. Uh, number three, Citizen Sleeper. I haven't played a narrative-focused game in a long time, but I really enjoyed the depth they put in the characters. Number two, Dark Souls 2. My first of the Dark Souls trilogy, and honestly, I think I like it a bit more than Dark Souls 1, and I'm only putting one of them in here. And then number one, The Messenger. Really happy I both came back to this and played it before Sea of Stars. Great stuff. Uh, good to see. It feels like Citizen Sleep is getting a lot of love in these lists, which is excellent. Yeah, that's good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that... I wouldn't say The Messenger is required playing for Sea of Stars, because honestly, I... I forgot all the story in the messenger. I don't think I actually read any of the story in the messenger, so I'd have no idea how okay. it connects. I'm going to get to Sea of Stars starting next year. Yeah, um, but uh, I do think that the impact of the music, if you have not played the messenger, and you will not feel the impact of the music stuff that happens in Sea of Stars, so I'd recommend playing it for just that alone. Uh, so, okay. yeah, definitely. I've not thought about Ocean Heart in a very long time. I remember no. when that was first showed off, and everyone was like, oh, it's Wind Waker, nice yeah I, this is i actually looked this up this isn't the game you're thinking of is it this not is actually, am, I, am i thinking of no. ocean horn you're always thinking of ocean horn okay. exactly that's Easy what you're thinking of. to make but this is a this is another um talk, we're talking about anodyne earlier this is very much that as well uh ocean's heart is like a another minish cap top down uh kind of zelda like game um which is very cool lovely and here is our last list uh, of the day Bali. it's from capsule j who says hey gents i'm hopefully sneaking this one in just in time overall this was a very metroidvania focused goatee t oh, dakota uh, capsule j is correct because i think he got this in about half an hour before we recorded so really the, the nick of time uh so number five the mummy demastered a surprisingly good game based on a surprisingly terrible film number four giraffe and annika this 3d platformer with rhythm-based battle certainly made an impression 
Number three, Jedi Fallen Order. This is easily my favorite Star Wars game that doesn't involve piloting vehicles. Number two, Curse Crackers. If you have nostalgia for the Game Boy Color, this is a must-play platformer. Number one, Infernax. Someone, someone made a version of Castlevania 2 that's actually good. It's a miracle. Thanks for another great year of podcasting, Capsule J. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, a good list there. In terms, I, I saw um, Giant Bomb playing Curse Crackers. There's a quick look for that game. Looks very cool. A kind of classic Game Boy throwback platformer. Um, and I always love Capture J always has a game in here I've never heard of. I think I might have heard of Giraffe and Annika before, but I don't have any idea what it looks like or, or what it's uh, about. So, uh, trying to get a to game past MBZ he's never heard of is a mm-hmm. skill in and of itself. So, <laughs> so really well done, Capsule J. He always manages it every year. Yeah. There's, there's always one. Uh, so shout out to Capsule J for always digging deep into the indies to find some some cool stuff lovely well uh thanks everybody for sending all those lists in and also thanks everybody for uh for saying uh nice things about uh, our 10 years yeah. stuff um that was very much appreciated because every every time i read one of these emails i was like oh yeah someone's uh, saying they've listened for a long time and uh very very nice to hear so um appreciate all that uh but bali you know all these lists they're all well and good but they they don't compare to the shit that's going down right now so after the break come back uh, where we will go through our own list for Goatee T Dakota. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Alright everybody, welcome back to the show. It's the second half of this episode, and that means it's the Goatee T Dakota for 2023. Uh, and myself and Bally, we have lists to go through. Now, usually it's a top ten list that we go through each of us. Uh I looked at Bally's games he's played this year and I counted them, and I was like, he can if it had a push like seven is the maximum he can do from this list and i said to bali i messaged bali over text i'm like so what if we do this thing where like we go back and forth but for the first few you do games that you didn't get to play this year that you think might have made your list or might make your list next year Mm. and you're like yeah yeah that's a good idea and then today bali's like i've got enough for a list and i'm like what are you talking (laughs) what are you talking about bali what are you talking i can see your list you don't i've not gone away and beaten three games yeah exactly i was like you can't have just secretly done some gaming so anyway bali has a list of 10 games uh i don't know uh what it's going to be like because because from my count he can't get to 10 but i'm very interested to hear and see (laughs) so so we're gonna go into this and see what it's like um but yes i think bali for you this has been a uh unusual year in terms of you played lots of very long games i mean the aforementioned octopath traveler which you spent like 88 hours or 90 hours playing for the first half of this year yeah and i think it like this as much as it was 
the one of the best years in video games in terms of releases and all these things. And well, is it the best year since 1998? It's like, well, categorically, it is the best game, game, best year for Bally because like a million Bally games came out this yes. year. And I mentioned a couple of them in this list, but I'm going to mention more of them in obviously the game of the year list next right. time. But yes. like, I was very preoccupied with new releases constantly. Uh, and that has meant that my game of the year that didn't actually come out this year list is very, very limited in comparison. So this is mm-hmm. unfortunately the weakest list I've ever done, but mm-hmm. I still have 10 games to talk about. Um, I do like most of these games quite a bit. <laughs> most of them, okay. Um, cool. Not all of them. Yeah, but, uh, uh-huh. yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. So yeah, I, I still, yeah, there's still some quality games I played this year that didn't actually come out this year. Great, good stuff. Well, let's kick it off. Um, Bally, who wants to... Do you want to go first? Should I go I'll first? I'll go first. Um, so this is my first one. So this is a game that qualifies because I beat it this year, but it came out last year. Uh-huh. Uh, and that game is Sports Story. Oh, my God. The fact that Sports Story even makes a top yeah. 10 little, uh, makes my skin crawl it's somewhat. Not good. But, uh, it's not good. Yeah. Um, I didn't enjoy Sports Story. There are aspects <laughs> of it I did enjoy. Like, like the first game, like the golf is the strongest aspect. For me, this game fell apart where it became cricket and it became tennis and it became these other things. And those aspects weren't fully fleshed out. I, was kind, of, I kind of enjoyed a decent chunk of the tennis but then after that the game just fell off like a cliff in terms of content and things that you were doing and the kind of charming nature of golf story where you're moving from area to area doing a combination of playing courses and then doing kind of like puzzly rpg style interactions with people that balance was just completely off with this game and it's a real shame because i think it had this game definitely had a lot of promise but the end feels really rushed mechanically it just feels flawed it doesn't feel like a very finished game in large parts and yes there's some fun golf in there uh but nowhere near enough to bring this game like anywhere higher up this list and it's lucky as mbz said it is lucky to be on this list it is it is done well because i have not played enough other games so yeah number 10 sports story yeah, by default, just kind by of default. lands there at the bottom. You can just make it a top nine. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, you, you, you could do. You could. You're going to put this onto a form later, MBZ, and it'll uh-huh. drive me mad if there weren't 10 games. Anyway, but we can well, I think it will still drive me mad because I have a suspicion about something, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I didn't even finish Sports Story. Uh, again, I think it was a game we were both super excited for, given how good Golf yeah. Story was. Um, and yeah i remember i think i was like 15 hours into it and i got to a point and i was looking up a youtube video of when it ended and it was like even more than i expected and i just threw in the towel uh, and so i mean kudos to you bali for soldiering on and finishing the damn oh, I thing had to. i had um, to there was no there was no choice it was yeah. gonna be the thing that i beat no matter what yeah yeah uh well <laughs> you fought the good fight i'm not sure many people are in your <laughs> shoes having experienced all of sports story so there you go uh all right my number 10 so i don't think i've ever talked about my number 10 on any of our shows uh this whole year but it is a game that i returned to constantly throughout the entire year and it's a little game called the ramp um so i bought this i think in the steam sale at the end of 2022 and it was a thing i'd always been a little bit interested in it's basically a little skateboarding vignette game where you have these four stages it's kind of an isometric view so um 
you have these four stages and you're the skateboarder and the first one is literally just one ramp uh, and it's a kind of limited thing in this kind of uh, space where you're just this guy going back and forth on this ramp um, and it's very much a game about pure mechanics and feel uh, where there's no scoring there's no timer there's no nothing if you fall you'll just respawn and start again it's a game almost without any goals um, and really it's been just a very nice thing to have this year as a a year that's been very exhausting and just i've been very busy work-wise and all that sort of stuff oftentimes i get into bed and i'm like i want to play something but i only want to play it for like seven minutes right it's like midnight and i can't justify putting half an hour into something because i need to get to sleep so i pick up my steam deck this is the perfect steam deck game pick up my steam deck boot up the ramp and play it for like five to seven minutes and i think i've put four or five hours into it over the course of the year and that is literally five minutes at a time basically every night going to it and picking it up what are you doing in it i'm just basically flowing with it right i'm just you know i'm i'm learning the so the the way the mechanic works is that if you hold the a button when you're going down the ramp you'll pick up momentum and you let go of it when you are on flat ground so this is this weird took me a while to get my head around where you hold it as you go down let go of it then hold it again as you go back up the ramp um and there is a real mechanical satisfaction to just getting into the flow and nailing it you use the two sticks to do tricks in the air so the idea is just going back and forth doing tricks and you get achievements for doing like 720s or like spins that you know are even more than that even more rotations um and so the four stages that four distinct stages one is a ramp one is a swimming pool which is probably my favorite it's the one where i felt i got in the best flow state um you can also grind on the edge so you can like string these things together where you're just you know doing a a thing going up spinning in the air landing on a grind grinding around the corner um and the swimming pool has this very specific ladder and i got very used to this ladder because that's often where i would end up failing is like hitting that ladder by accident and it kind of knocking me to the ground um the third stage is the one i played the least which is a it's kind of a kind of skate park style uh divot area but there's a door and so you can accidentally kind of run into some of the edges uh going into the secondary parts of it and the last one is just a massive ramp where you just go all the way down the ramp and then you jump to land on a giant kind of thing it's like uh, i don't know if you ever saw like the tony hawk um like tony hawk's backyard he has this giant ramp thing and there's this skateboarder i I remember back like the olympics a couple of years ago she's like 11 years old or something and she's already like insanely good at skateboarding Mm. and there's this video that went viral a couple years ago of her going down this rank ramp doing tony hawk's mega jump off the ramp you basically go through the air and then land on the other side and that's basically what this last level is which is just this massive ramp and so the idea is just like getting there and then my goal the whole time has been like get all the way up and and can i do what's the the most amount of spins i can do and then perfectly landing it back and uh yeah it's just a really again this is a i think this is the purest kind of video game that exists where there's literally no goals whatsoever it's just mechanical mastery it's just something for my fingers to do as i kind of drift off listen to a podcast just lock in and just feel good moving stuff around again very nbz type game it's all about movement and feel um but yeah it's been my consistent companion this entire year uh, and yeah it's super cheap uh, often goes on sale uh, and yeah it's, again there's not much to it but that's kind of the joy of it is that it's just this very simple almost toy-like thing um so that is the ramp uh, and i've really enjoyed that this year so that's my number 10 
Bali, oh. over to you for number nine. My number nine is Inmost. Mm. Uh, this was a short three to four hours-ish kind of game where you're playing as three different characters at three different times, unraveling, telling this very dark story about... It's kind of hard to describe now, to be honest, but it's like it's kind of about... about the, the, the story is about like how the three characters are, are linked to each other, kind of like in a metaphorical way. It's, right. I don't want to spoil it, but like it's... It's an incredibly dark game. It's kind of like a 2D puzzle platformer, although one of the characters is a lot more action-focused, and there's a whole lot of like kind of creepy enemies that chase you and dark stuff about this game. And it, like I said at the time when I played, I had to look up like some narrative explainers once i'd beaten the game to like fully understand what did i just see and mm. i was like oh wow that was actually way darker than i'd even realized in the moment <laughs> um and yeah i i think that the messages and the themes of the game are really impressive and the way it handles all those themes i do think that some of the mechanics can just get a little bit clunky in part and mm. visually it's a stunning game it's like this really unique pixel art it's very like black and white and loads of shades of gray kind of like look to it but um it's just not the most slick type of game when you like when you when you're doing puzzle platforming you want it to feel good and to make sense and to progress things forward and while the narrative is very enticing and interesting i didn't find that mechanically the game was quite as smooth as i had wanted it to be Mm. um but I'd still really recommend this game. I really did enjoy this game, and I do think that it's worth playing. I think that uh, it's tackling themes that are like way darker than the pixel art would suggest it would be, and I give it great credit for that. I think it does stick its landing pretty well. Uh, I just think that it's got some mechanical issues, but yeah, mm. in most, I'd definitely recommend trying it out. Yeah, I definitely want to get around to this. I think I have it for free on PC somewhere through some store or another. Um, but uh, yeah, did you, you played it on Switch, right? It went on sale. I played yeah. it on Switch, yeah. It took, I think it came out, was it last year or the year before? A couple of years, yeah. yeah. yeah I think just... we were interested because it was a Chucklefish published game, right? Chucklefish published. And you think of Chucklefish, like, hey, they make nice games. And you know, like Wargroove and all Happy these other Clappy, nice games. yeah. And it's definitely not one of those. The opposite, even though yeah. The pixel art kind of, you could argue, is in that category. It's got great pixel art. But, um, yeah, I guess Eastwood gets uh, has some dark stuff going on in that Eastwood game as well. It does get so, dark. Yeah. Um, I'd say this game gets 10 times darker than that. Oh, but, wow, um, okay. But uh, yeah, it's 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 cool. I think it is really cool. It's a, it does unique storytelling to video games, I will say. Like, I do think it presents some narratives in a really interesting way, for sure very nice uh and yeah it still has a pretty lovely pixel art style um yeah so, it's great yeah, it's good stuff excellent all right my number nine so my number nine is me finally uh putting a game to rest which is the Mega Man legacy collection because i finished it this year by closing out Mega Man 6 uh, so my number nine is Mega Man 6 um yeah i think honestly this is my second favorite now behind Mega Man 2 um wow. it feels like they I got praise. to yeah they got to that point in the series where they figured out 
how it feels to be Mega Man, right? Um, over the course of one through six, he's learned to charge his beam, he's learned to slide, he's learned to, instead of relying on a dog for everything, now he just turned that dog into a backpack that he can just do put out anywhere and he doesn't need the dog anymore. Uh, Mega Man has just learned a lot as he's gone on. Um, and I think this game is cool in a few ways. Like, there's the ways in which you can have these alternate exits that give you um, beat as a companion, as an extra kind of bonus weapon. Uh, so you can kind of finish the levels in a couple of different ways, almost precursoring what would happen in Mega Man X. Um, but all the levels they either have a really strong level and design that's memorable or they have a really strong boss that's nice and memorable so i tended to find the levels were really good that had like a little bit weaker bosses and the vice versa for for the other way around as well so um yeah i think the nice the other nice thing about it is that it does kind of a two castle stage thing so instead of being like fight another eight levels of robot masters like Mega Man 3 does which is my least favorite thing it does the eight masters then you go into a whole castle section do a bunch of levels and then you do another castle section do a bunch of levels and I, I just really think the format works super nicely um it doesn't overstay its welcome great little game very good pacing to it and just yeah they, they'd figured out Mega Man by this point and you know some of the ideas may be running a little bit dry in terms of power-ups and weapons but overall uh really good fun and just reminds me why I just find Mega Man the best he's the NES man for me he's the guy who represents the NES and the good things about the NES in the best way and yeah still my favorite series on that console above any of Nintendo stuff is Mega Man so is Mega Man the lead singer of the Beatles I think Mega Man is okay. the lead singer right. I think who was who's the lead singer of the Beatles I, I this is everyone's gonna crucify oh, me is it Paul McCartney yeah maybe Paul know. McCartney I think, I think so. they did um dueling vocal lead vocals it's John Lennon and Paul McCartney right is the two of them who are like the the kind of front guys yeah I think they were both both alternated songs but yeah. i'm sure there are beatles listeners who are about to murder me right now but um <laughs> if they're not all murdered me already I'm, and they're still listening then well done but yeah all i'm saying is that Mega Man is either paul mccartney or john lennon and the other one is simon belmont because those are the two <laughs> it's castlevania and Mega Man for nes for me so it's really those guys the front men i guess ringo Starr is uh is mario probably just left in the corner and, okay. Uh, okay for, for us okay. anyway we don't care about him so he's just left in the corner but uh anyway let's not belabor the metaphor any longer bally what's your number eight game of the year that didn't come out this year uh my number eight is actually a game i beat last year but i beat it after we had recorded our go tt dakota list oh interesting okay um so that game is pilot wing 64 nice okay um, yeah, see, I'm making up the numbers, MBZ. No, see, this this is legit, though, because I always do this, because I always look back at what were the things that I played that didn't come out that year after we record this episode, because there's still another month of the year to go, yeah. so, you know, yeah. there's still stuff that gets played in that time period, so I, I, this is not cheating at all. This is very legit. I agree Thank with you. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I did really enjoy this game. It, it's nowhere near as janky as you might think when you're like, right, I think it came out launch or launch period for the N64, so like, it's an old game, and obviously I played it on Switch Online, and it looks pretty crisp on Switch Online, which is great, and I was in love with uh, Pilot Wings Resort on launch on the 3DS. Now, this game's nowhere, nowhere near those echelons of, like, joy and smoothness, and you're not playing with the, the 3DS 3D and all these things, but it still has some really cool, like, level design and short sharp missions which is why i love this game it's like here's this really sh like short sharp precise thing you have to do and you have to nail it 
and then if you fail well do it again do it again do it. so it's, it's like that the game forcing you to do a small thing in a short amount of time and nailing it i just really i don't think there's enough games that generally do that like i think it's a cool game that is doing that with like three different types of plane where you got the you got like the what have you got you got the glider you've got the the like jetpack and then you've got the the pseudo pet plane it's like it's not a pedal plane but it's like a maybe it is a pedal plane it's a slightly different plane to the Wii Sports Resort um, game but it, having the different vehicles and doing those tasks and just some really weird zany islands and the, like the characters look I wouldn't say this game looks like a Nintendo game if you step back at like the art style and the design of characters it looks truly bizarre and maybe that was to do with like the polygons on the N64 and maybe that wasn't how <laughs> the original artists had envisaged those characters but they look really funky and really bizarre and really strange um in a really charming kind of way actually so i think that it's a really unusual kind of game and i had a really good time i didn't completely nail every single mission like i did with resort but that's fine like i still had a great time um you know i think i got like a silver in every mission or something so like i still had a really good time doing those missions getting good medals and and beating the game and it it didn't take too long i think it's like a five six maybe seven hour game and i'd highly recommend checking out on nintendo switch online if people have that subscription it's it's a really really cool game that's worth playing and i've really enjoyed playing n64 games generally yeah no you have i checked the other day and i saw you have like 20 hours in the n64 app so definitely gone deep on on that stuff which is is very cool i i really there's a few things on there that i really want to play uh banjo kazooie uh is on there and i really want to get to that that's on my list for sure i'd love to play through that game um but yeah i do you think bali if you had played this on the n64 back in the day it would have changed anything about you know your uh your game taste or would have put you because i feel like you were primed to play this even back then as someone who liked racing games yeah i feel like i would have 100 percent gravitated towards this and definitely rogue squadron like on n64 and obviously i owned battle for naboo and god i need to go back and play that game because the whole like flying thing on n64 i i really did enjoy and um maybe this game would have made me want to try more flyers as it were mm. or like things that aren't just star wars shooting flyers like yeah kind of tactical kind of landing and this kind of thing um Mm -hmm. microsoft flight simulator yeah i was gonna say like would this have led you in a direction to like (laughs) buying microsoft flight simulator on pc in like the late 90s and uh going deep on that yeah i don't know it's a style that i enjoy i wouldn't say it's like any of the top echelon of games although i do really rate resort you, incredibly you do highly, strike me as someone who could get into microsoft i could simulator, i so. definitely could um i don't think necessarily this is the game to do it but it's still a really good time it's a, yeah. it's a really good game definitely check it out great stuff very glad to hear it uh my number eight is Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood. Uh, so number three in terms of my Final Fantasy XIV, uh, well, the second expansion, but the third storyline in Final Fantasy XIV. This was, you know, it's very similar to you with Pilot Wing. This was half of my December last year. So like <laughs> probably two weeks solid, I put maybe 40 to 50 hours more into Final Fantasy XIV uh, with Stormblood. And uh, yeah, I really like Stormblood. I think a lot of people talk about it as kind of the down period of the kind of expansions where everyone loves heavensward and then they say oh it dips down for stormblood but then it gets really good at shadowbringers right and i 
I enjoyed Heavensward, but I didn't really get the hype behind it. I think up to this point, you know, I, again, this is a game I put 170 hours into, and I still don't really get the hype behind it, if I'm fully honest, you know? Wow. I I really enjoy it, because I like MMOs, and I just, there's something so chill about Final Fantasy fourteen. You just, like, I really enjoyed over that Christmas period as well, they gave away, like, a free um, mount, like, a reindeer mount, and when he goes in the sky, he, like, he does this little animation where he like bursts presents out of himself it's one of those um kind of things right where mmos inspire this um not greed but like you see someone has something and you're like how do i get that and then you go up online into a wiki that has like seven thousand items in it and it's like this was only obtainable in 2016 at the christmas event and i'm like oh man i'm never gonna get that but now i have one of those things and someone in three years will be looking up and they're like how does that guy have that reindeer and they'll look up online and they'll be like so it's only obtainable over from december 3rd to december 14th of 2022 or whatever and i'm the guy who has it uh so it's one of those types of things right where you can get those fun little uh you know presents and those little rewards and that becomes like a part of your character of you know um that's the thing that i'll have for the rest of this game um and identify with but um i i really like stormblood because it starts to uh, introduce a more japanese inspired setting so uh final fantasy 14 takes place on like this entire world right this world map there's like the kind of main continent that you start at and then there's other places and over the sea uh, there's this place uh where it's much more uh japanese inspired uh, there's a city called kugane which is like this port town this kind of harbor japanese port town and it's beautiful the music there is wonderful there's this um kind of really really big open expanse like this big wild open expanse place uh, that i really enjoyed exploring uh, there's kind of like samurai inspired classes and stuff like that the characters all have that kind of uh kind of inspiration behind them and i i really like how that story works uh, and it kind of takes one of the main characters who you've known for a while and just changes things um and you find out a bit more about them and i think it just overall has this great synthesis of setting music alongside a bit of a political story going on um and i think i ended up liking it more than heavensward which surprises me i think uh probably surprises other people more because i think other people are more up on that story i think it was a bit more hyped i think is the problem like he- people are like oh heavensward it's such a good story. and i'm like it's fine like all this narrative stuff is totally fine so far and i haven't felt that thing that has really knocked me off my feet and maybe this is the thing right because having played final fantasy 16 this year there's a lot of people out there who are like well 16 is made by the 14 people right and so like the writing is kind of very similar to that in a way and i feel like my disappointment with final fantasy 16 story maybe speaks to where i'm at with 14 as well where i'm like maybe i i'm just not the right audience for for this kind of storytelling um i like it i think it's good but i don't think it's like people talk about crying with this stuff and like i don't know it's it's very interesting to me because i find um i find that it doesn't affect me in that same way um so but i have heard that Shadowbringers is like the next coming of christ so mm. that's the that's the next that, expansion that's, for. that's next expansion and hopefully i'll have some time over this christmas to dig into that and mm. get through Shadowbringers because that's where it sounds like everything really does come together um, and there's multiple people in discords i've been in who have also said the same thing as me as they didn't really get it and then Shadowbringers happened and that's when they really just converted so once again i hope that next year i come back to you all and my number one game of the year is Shadowbringers, but we'll uh we'll have to wait and see if that is the case but stormblood still really enjoys stormblood so uh 
any chance I had, like I said, Bali, on our previous episode, if the podcast didn't exist, I would just go and just start playing Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'll do. Right. I think we're on seven. So my number seven is a game beat quite, quite recently, which is Solar Ash. Yeah. Um, I... I think we were maybe quite harsh jointly on a Solar little Ash. bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, I think the highs of this game are impeccable. I think like the idea of Shadow of the Colossus style bosses that you are essentially speed running on in like this glidy, floaty, platforming kind of way is really fun. It was just a lot of the stuff in between that I found. The, I think the uh, found a bit boring because I f- feel like the. The game is at its best when it's doing those short, sharp challenges. And the Shadow of Colossus comparison is kind of apt in a way because I think that's quite a lean game for what it's going for. It's quite Because it's an open world game, but mainly the only things to do in Shadow of the Colossus are fight bosses. Whereas in Solar Ash, you're not just fighting bosses, you're doing quite a lot of other area collecting. And it's maybe that kind of navigating those to get to those other areas and then sometimes executing on the kind of collecting that you need to do in those other areas that kind of set up the boss fight that i found some of them are great some of them were really rough and like didn't feel smooth and fun Mm. to engage with in a platforming sense which is where like i said the game is at its strongest so like Mm -hmm. if this game had just been boss fights i think it might be even higher up this list but because there's all that kind of navigating and doing the other stuff in between and there's even like enemy on enemy combat like i think that just felt a bit unnecessary like i i think the art style is cool but like mechanically i just wanted this game to be a little leaner i think but um the lean the good stuff that's there i absolutely loved it i think some of the boss fights are really really impressive and Mm -hmm. really are executed executed well yeah it's definitely fun when you string all of it together and it all flows and you are just barely making it you know that stuff feels super satisfying um i will say one of my frustrations with this game was the whole health system whereby once you beat a boss you arrive at that ethereal place with that giant ghost holding you in their hand and they just crush you and you lose a health bar yeah. and then to get it back mm. you have to collect even Pay more of, of the yeah. purple things that you just collect it kind of reminds me a little bit of gravity rush uh that game where you uh, you know when you're exploring that open world there's always these little shards around the place but they spawn infinitely and so there it becomes this sense of well they're going to be everywhere they're not going to go away so i i lose that satisfaction of clearing everything up like one of the things i loved about the infamous series was in infamous you'd find these blast shards and blast shards would be the thing that upgrade your power and there's a limited number in the city and they disappear once you collect them so it's a kind of a cleanup affair whereas in this game and in gravity rush you collect those little shards and then they'll just respawn again so i think gravity rush 2 had this problem where i kept going under buildings and be like i'm satisfied i collected them all and i come back there later and they'd be there again i'm like why did i do that it feels like not pointless but it feels like i wasted my time clear Mm. clearing this stuff up and now it's back again and i almost felt that way with solar ash where i know i needed this currency but like you only get like one of those things for every one you collect and you eventually need like a thousand i think for each upgrade so your health's pretty important because like you don't want to redo when like sections of the game like it's not that much fun when you die and you Mm -hmm. have to start over from now i need to go through these checkpoints again like it's 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 i agree it's not a good aspect of the game yeah but um but yeah that fluidity can be really nice and 
just like there's something to the fluffiness of those clouds right um the marshmallowy mm. kind of uh yeah. bounciness to them it's a real style and yeah the, the actual feeling of the running around is very good it's, it's nice yeah how would it rank in terms of uh best running around for this year bali would it be uh high on that list oh uh, well we have to define around? what running around is first which i think giant bomb struggled <laughs> exactly. with exactly take um, a tip from giant bomb and if we're counting running around defined as moving around yeah. i think there were games where the moving around was even stronger than solar ash this year definitely definitely uh but it was good it was good moving around running around uh we like to say <laughs> both <laughs> as as always uh Number seven for me, um, it wouldn't be uh, a list from me unless there was something Yakuza themed in here. And number seven is the DLC for Lost Judgment, the Kaito Files. Uh, so this is a, it's like a six to eight hour DLC, uh, which is a nice little chunk of Yakuza in the middle of the year. Or sorry, Like a Dragon. It's very difficult for me to change between that and Like a Dragon because the older games are all called Yakuza. So if I'm talking like Yakuza Zero, I'm not going to say Like a Dragon Zero because it's actually called Yakuza Zero. Um, but now the series is called Like a Dragon, even though this is Lost Judgment. And that was, it's a mess. It's a, look, it's a mess. I don't know why Sega decided to make this name change, but in any case, we have to live with it now. And that's what the, the thing is. But um, I enjoyed Lost Judgment. It's probably on the lower end of my rankings in terms of this series, um, just because I think the, the main story it deals with them topics and doesn't handle them very well it deals with serious topics and does not handle them deftly and does some questionable things i would say that i wasn't a huge fan of so lost judgment is a little bit lower in my mind just because the original judgment i thought had such a strong story such a great intrigue from like a grand political scale like a whole health scandal like it's it, it really gets into stuff that you don't see video games doing a lot um and lost judgment didn't quite do that but this small little slice uh based on kaito so kaito is so yagami he's the main detective in judgment and he has his assistant kaito kaito was part of the yakuza uh and is like kind of formally of them now but both him and yagami kind of grew up at the same time together they're, they're kind of brothers essentially but they're not really um and so this follows him as the main character and he is a bit more of a bruiser type he's a bit more kind of like kiryu-esque so his fighting style is a bit more gruff a little bit more brawlery as opposed to the kind of quick style detective style that uh, yagami has and um i was worried about that because i've never enjoyed that combat as much but i think what kaito files gets right is that it's a very personal story to this character it deals with stuff from his past and it instantly got me hooked with its story premise and what was going on and a bit of mystery in there and it continued to just nail it and i think this this trend of like with like a dragon gaiden coming out the man who raised his name like this shorter uh style of game in this series i think is really nice because these games can be very long they can be extremely long i think they're talking about infinite wealth being like over 100 hours or something stupid um and that's great and i do like when they have all these mini games and all that fun stuff in it but I, there's something to be said for a just tight experience where it, it has a strong story it has some great twists in it, it has some great moments i mean this series is filled with great cinematography and acting and just emotional melodrama um and you know this is no different it's, it's one of the best out there and for a dlc i think it's it's stronger than the main game uh, and i i think I, I i enjoyed it a lot more than it so it actually is quite high in my rankings uh, at this point of the series and very glad that i finally got around to playing it i was kind of waiting on a sale but on ps5 like dlc rarely goes on sale so uh, it's one of those mm. things that as soon as i saw it, i was like ah, I, I should pick that up and yeah it was great it was a real 
little great injection of some more of this um and yeah i just i find that again i never get sick of this series no matter how many i play i'm always there for it and always having a good time and the original game was the reason you bought a ps5 it was yeah exactly and i was kind of a little bit let down by those judgments yeah i uh you know i'm glad i have a ps5 now because i'll eventually be able to play persona 6 when it comes out and um obviously final fantasy 7 rebirth is only going to be on ps5 right so yeah uh, there's definitely uh, it's mainly the japanese game, as i said in the past like sure god of war is cool uh, horizon's cool but it's the japanese games is why i really have a ps5 a- astro uh, and final fantasy astro final fantasy uh yakuza um all those persona that's the grand turismo reason. 7 of course yeah, yeah everyone's favorite japanese game yeah you'd grand love turismo that game. 7 yeah. uh, i've heard really good things about that in vr though apparently oh, really great My God. So. I, I need to try, try that game even yeah. not in vr but yeah if i <laughs> One day I'll get a VR One too. One day. If that, that thing's going to become so like rare. And... It'll probably, you know, not... It'll probably go on sale, I imagine, relatively soon because it's probably tanking quite badly, so... Yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah. I, I'll You'll pick it up on the cheap yeah. eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my number seven, Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files. Bali, over to you. Uh, my number six... My number six is Mario Kart 8. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I see it. I see it. So, you know... It didn't come out this year, but obviously a bunch of DLC did. Yes. Uh, and I want to say that every time the DLC came out and we'd go online and we'd play through the DLC and sometimes we'd involve some TNL listeners and hop on Discord. Like, I just had a really great time every time. Like, yeah. And some of these new tracks, I, I want to shout out like Yoshi's Island is just amazing. Like, so it, like, I think the first couple of batches of tracks were cool in that but part of our thinking was like yeah but they just don't have like the gloss of you know the original tracks from Mario Kart 8 when they came back way came came out way back in 2014 right and mm-hmm. i think that by the end of the DLC some tracks especially stuff like Yoshi's Island definitely did have that gloss and felt like that extra effort had been put in and i there's not much more that can be said about Mario Kart and i'm really excited to see like what the next step is and i'd bet my house on you know like mario kart coming out launch or launch window for switch 2 probably next year so i really want to see what happens there but mario kart 8 is still an awesome game and yes i've played this game before but i i played it a lot this year and i think it needs a shout out so yeah mario kart 8 number six yeah it's uh it's the game that never dies, never <laughs> dies. even here on this this podcast on this list uh just it never goes away i um yeah i i think mario kart 8 has been a long journey of me coming to terms with the fact that it is better than mario kart 7 and i oh, it, you know it breaks go, it yeah. hurts me to say that it really does i think you know ultimately it's probably not true in my heart but i think in my mind it has to be true um you can't and... even play mario kart 7 anymore right well you can play it online you, can play uh, online. you can't buy it anymore uh, buy unless it. you buy it second hand but you can still they haven't shut down online services yet for wii yet. u and 3ds yet yeah which i think if they haven't announced that already it's probably coming next year i would imagine mm. um and that will go away and then it'll, uh, it'll happen the day the switch 2 comes out yeah yeah Bury the lead <laughs> would not be surprised if that was what happened but um yeah it's a it's definitely a game that has continued to live and i feel like i don't think it would have dropped off the charts but it feels like it has given it this added momentum at the back half of its life like you know this is a game that fundamentally was made nine years ago originally yeah. and 
had dlc back on its original system came out fresh here and then just continued to sell and then probably at the point at which nintendo would imagine it would drop off they're like by the way the last two years of the switch's life cycle yeah, let's just yeah. juice it again with more Mario i mean for Kart. me personally and i know that the sales don't represent this i would have preferred that there was one dlc pack per year for the last six years right exactly but because it was already selling so strongly nintendo like we don't need to do that exactly and then they pumped them all out in the last two years but um you know i'm a pretty keen nintendo gamer compared to the majority of switch owners so i get why they did what they did but yeah they're they're great tracks nonetheless and yeah mario Eight always needs a shout out it does make you wonder with the next one are they going to fully service it in that way where it's like we'll just keep every month you're going to get new track or something you know like could be a way to do it it's a way that they can potentially just keep it relevant all year yeah. round non-stop uh, have I nintendo don't... ever successfully kept an online game relevant no <laughs> no i think I they try and then around yeah. the edges with like splatoon i think it's you could make the argument that they pretty much dropped the ball on keeping it relevant with something like animal crossing absolutely yeah um and then beyond that i'm struggling to think of good examples but like yeah it's really mario kart and smash are the two examples where they yes okay smash you gotta give it credit with this constant reveals with the characters with smash yeah and partly Um, that's why i think they did this mario kart 8 thing is because they ran out of smash content to get people excited so like what other game do we have that we can juice uh in the meantime but i think in its own weird way that's a good example of keeping a community hyped and excited Mm -hmm. for arguably dlc content um i think that's probably the most successful example yeah but they don't do it often and god that took a lot of blood sweat and tears from um uh sakurai so like yes absolutely god yeah sorry you should call him by his true title youtuber sakurai youtuber sakurai that's that's who he is now no longer a game developer playstation Um, owning sakurai yep yep it's it is look at his uh, entertainment center man he's got them all he uh he's on his exercise bike he's i think sakurai actually is still probably plays more video games than us every year like he's in he's a monster yeah. oh yeah like that yeah. man's insane uh, one one game per hand you know he can yeah, it once. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, he he's probably does it. god do you i just send you that tweet and sakurai being like i 100 percented mario and spider-man in one weekend i was like this man is like way more hardcore than we are like ridiculous <laughs> yes. absolutely ridiculous yeah. uh what a dude um i love it uh all right my number six bally is a plague tale requiem Uh, one of my favorite experiences i had this year really really got to love this series Uh, i think it's full of so many cool things um this is the second one the second one yes Yes, i keep getting the names confused right innocence is the first one requiem is the second one i actually have i like since we did this list uh i hadn't played innocence until december of last i think i finished it after our uh goatee t dakota last year so it didn't count mm-hmm. for last year but since then i played that and the sequel i think the sequel is the stronger game of the two so that's the one that's on my list but um but i think it's, it's a real kind of interesting competitor in the space of the sony style game uh you know and i think it has different priorities which makes it more interesting it's stealth focused and i think it it just has a lot of good pacing to it where you go to lots of different environments it's gorgeous absolutely stunning game it really centers on this relationship the sibling relationship which i think is a little underexplored in games you know we've often had dad games right from sony with god of war and last of us and uh you know even uncharted in some senses and Mm -hmm. 
I think that this kind of brother-sister relationship is one that has not really been explored that much and I think is a really, really strong one and um, you really feel it very uh, intimately and the interactions are great, the writing is really strong um, and there's a lot of intrigue and kind of uh, wonder about what's happening in this world. What is this plague? Where does it come from? It's this kind of mix of magic and kind of reality of like the history of what happened back in that era in france uh but what actually like how they blend it with this kind of supernatural element um and with the rats like the technology behind the rats is amazing where you know there's just these waves of fucking things on the screen and it's just it's almost like a water in a way when they're chasing you these kind of big cinematic set pieces that you'd expect to see in an uncharted game where you know you're running towards the camera and the buildings are crumbling behind you and there's just rats pouring out of every orifice um it's a uh, it's a real spectacle and i think they they get as close as you can without having the ridiculous budget that those other games do but they still make it look really really strong and really good so um yeah excellent just pacing between narrative sections stealth sections sections puzzle solving that's actually really strong puzzle solving in this game um where it uses the environment and you have your slingshot your slingshot can like knock things down and draw rats away like you you know you hit down like a bit bag of meat and that draws them but there's these light uh, sources as well that they get uh, you know scared away by and sometimes we have to move through with torches like excellent just story and uh pacing and narrative i think it's really really good and yeah i think this this is a, a series you you would really enjoy bally it definitely mm, speaks to definitely. you a lot of the I sensibilities really that you you like in games so i uh, definitely recommend it to people out there uh play tale requiem and i look forward to seeing what they do with the next one because i'm sure they will do another one. Oh, uh, nice trilogy cool. yeah all right, right. bally we're into the top five top five my number five is disc room oh um, yeah this game i played nearish the start of the year i want to say and it is bullet hell but replaced bullets with discs like chained metal discs that cut you up and you want to avoid um kind of discs uh and then imagine like a big grid and each square within the grid is a room a disc room and in each room is a challenge to avoid discs in a bullet hell kind of format so you're just moving your character around trying to avoid discs that's the game but what i love about the game is they really mix up what you're trying to do and the way that certain discs move and they kind of flip it on its head like one of the rooms you're like invisible or another room and then you get abilities and there's other things you can do where you can like slow down time and there's kind of like pseudo boss fights in some of these rooms and it's only like a two to three hour game but i really think that i love short games where they take an idea and then they just keep rolling the dice on that idea and mix it up and do strange things and then before just before it gets repetitive or boring the game ends and i think this Mm. game is a good example of that where it takes an idea you've got all these different rooms to go through and you're kind of unlocking i don't know if it's keys or something but you need like a certain number of points to then unlock the next room and it keeps going until you eventually face the final boss the final room the final challenge and it's a very satisfying fight and then the game ends and you're like wow i really enjoyed that and it's just a very simple concept moving your character around to avoid getting killed by spinning discs it's really simple but i think it's actually a really nice game and you should definitely try it out yeah absolutely i i played this as well early in the year and um yeah it it has a a great kind of sense of uh, uniqueness to it i've never really 
quite played anything like it um and i think it's nice because it offers for people who are hardcore about it it offers that kind of high score chasing element where i actually yeah. i was able to see bally's scores because he played it before right. me and so every time i got into a room i'd be like have to survive longer than bally <laughs> did you know like i always love when games do that we ha- we've had it before with um obviously ollie ollie world was a big one for ollie us world. um but also the bit trip game bit like bit trip runner Runner 2 yeah. was a big one um yeah i always like i it's a shame we didn't play neon white at the time because i think that would have been a big one right, as well right. um but yeah I, I i love whenever that stuff happens because it's high score chasing is, is a fun thing uh as yeah. long as it's like against other people right i don't like doing it of its own accord but if you have a challenge and you're like mm, well my friend's better than me i need to i need to chase that and make sure i win uh it's always always a good time so shout out for that stuff all right you're uh, number five mbz my number five bally um yeah okay so my number five is horizon forbidden west number and i five. in no universe did i ever think i'd be putting this game on wow. a top list let alone in the top five now we've talked um, a lot about this game on our nintendo show we but have yes in short last year i played this game in and around when bally jr was born and i said how like it was just this great experience while bally jr was asleep it was just i'd escape to this world of the forbidden west and enjoy all these things and and i think you felt potentially that might have tainted my view that it was like a good escapism kind of game sure yeah having a small child uh looking after a small child early on so it was so nice that you did play this game and had a good time i so i was forced into playing this game uh because i had to judge it for bafta purposes uh so i was like okay well i have to play this um and if i'm honest i had a really bad time at the beginning i thought the beginning was quite rough not the best Um, beginning yeah it was a bit of a rough opening and i I kind of just chafed against it in the same way that I did the first game. And, you know, I I played a bit of it and then I kind of left it for a while. Uh, But then I came back to it and I found a weird thing happening. I started to really enjoy it. And I wasn't (laughs) sure why. I was like, what's going on here? Why am I... Why am I having fun with this? Um, I think part of it is like the combat feels so much better than before. Um, honestly, a big part of it is the music is really good in this game. This game has, you know, I think we complain a lot of the time about like, um, you know, these big AAA games getting nominated for best soundtrack and none of them mm. being memorable. This was at the Game Awards last year, actually. This yeah, soundtrack. it was. And like there are so, and I, I'm not talking about the big bombastic themes, but like your base, like the base that you have with all your characters, kind of massive effect style uh hub uh, mm. the music in that area is so good like there's something so homely and nice about it but like every time i was exploring the open world i had that sense of just comfort and i think the music played such a large role in that um i just really enjoyed a lot of the tracks in this game and it it really soothed things over i think um and I liked it so much, I ended up buying the DLC straight away and playing that DLC as well. Insane. Uh, which is great. Which I've not touched yet, and I'd quite like to get to The it. DLC actually has, like, a better finale, a more spectacular ending than the main game. Like, it really goes ball to the walls. And, uh, yeah, I, I honestly... You know, I think over the years we we build up these uh, caricatures of ourselves, Bally, where like 
you know i you know i'm a, I'm a figurehead for hating octopath and horizon all these things <laughs> and like i don't you know i don't really in that way but if you know when you kind of talk on a podcast you have to get a bit more uh i don't know over the top about these things um and uh, I mean, you don't have to you, no you don't have to but otherwise it doesn't make for very interesting listening <laughs> right. you, know, you gotta gotta <laughs> buff things up a little bit can't just be regular me regular me would be very boring on a podcast i tell you what um but uh you know podcast me much more interesting um but uh but yeah for horizon is is one of those things i think our audience would be like be you hated that first game what are you doing <laughs> uh but yeah i i really really liked it um and yeah it's it's great and i i think the story was so much better than the first game mm. uh had a lot more hooks into it interesting combat mechanics i found a weapon that i loved like my exploding spears they fucking carried me the whole game the best weapon nice. i had just so so good uh and yeah really helped helped when it came to those encounters where i was like oh i kind of i kind of can't be bothered to aim now i'm just going to throw exploding spears until you die and that was a really nice thing uh kind of let me mold the experience to my taste a bit more which i thought was mm. great so uh yeah, Horizon for I mean, I think, I think we're in general agreement, and we talked about this on the Nintendo show as well, but like PS5 has had a lot of sequels. You know, there's not much new IP floating around PS5. There's a couple, but yeah. out of all the sequels, we kind of broadly agree that like the step up from for, uh, Zero Dawn to Forbidden West is like the biggest step up. Oh, by like, far. It, yeah, definitely. So that's where I think this game is so impressive. Like, it really does improve on combat and narrative stuff and side quests and like the cutscenes again as you say the music it's like these are core tenants of like that type of open world game mm-hmm. so for it them to get all these things right and improved like it's a it's a really special game the, it's, the it's faces in this game were so good that it just made me think spider-man 2 was a bad looking video game <laughs> by comparison that's how impressive this game yeah. is visually uh it really it really is uh, something else so um yeah man uh also it's one of the first games i played fully on like a 4k tv and just jesus jesus christ that's uh (laughs) it's a visual feast let me tell you uh so it's my number five horizon forbidden west who thought we'd be in this timeline here we are no um all right bali number four for you my number four is a game that i've just played oh nice toem yeah um this game is on game pass so definitely wanted to give it a go uh for toem for those who don't know it's a little kind of short adventure style where you're kind of like doing little tasks for people and most of those tasks involve taking photos uh it's kind of like got pacing similar to i'd say something like a short hike although the world design is very different i i will say i'm not sure i love the idea that like you go you you go from like one cube to the next almost like you kind of look at this um what's the isometric yeah it's an angle yeah yeah and rather than having one continuous world it's like little tiny loading screens linking up lots of different blocks mini diorama areas dioramas is the right word that make up kind of a city or a place or a park or whatever right but yeah and there's like yeah the mountain area the city the forest area the kind of beachy kind of area like I, i do like the theming of the areas it's really nice um and I think what's so great about this game is that, like, it kind of does a pseudo Mario Odyssey thing where it keeps the pace up and it says, here is a list of tasks. You need to complete half of them to progress. And I'm mm. like, okay. And then I, and you, you're completely free to do whichever tasks you want to do. So if one of them is asking you for something incredibly specific and you need to take a picture of this thing at this moment in order to progress this one thing, because you essentially need enough stamps to get to the next area, similar to like Moons and Odyssey. And I think 
that was one of the highlights for me was it, it was just really chill to just go and explore and be like oh, i'll take a picture of that oh actually this person wants a picture of that before i'd even realized that that's what they wanted i get a stamp great i need five more stamps and then i'll move on to next next thing and i think that pacing and just the chill nature of like speaking to these characters it's very kind of an animal crossing short hikeish in the way that like there are these characters in the world just doing their thing and you're kind of interacting with them and i really like that about it it's all about the chill nature i think that it's it's a lot less about the photography. So compared to something like, I don't know, a Pokemon Snap, where they're obsessed with, what's the Pokemon doing? What's the action they're doing? What's the size of the Pokemon? How does this work? How does that look compared to how many Pokemon are in the shot? It's like, it doesn't really matter in this game. It's like, you've got a shot of that thing that they wanted. Boom, you've done it. Um, and I like that nature. I like that fast-paced nature to this game. And it wraps up in a really nice way. I think like yeah. the whole game is black and white. Uh, I will say there is, without spoilers, there is some color in this game. And I like the way that they introduce that. Mm. I think it's clever compared to, say, a game like, um, what was that game last year? Oh, my God, the, the black and white game. Uh, I, there's a lot of black and white games. No, that's uh, what's the one with uh, where Lana Rain did the soundtrack and everything? Oh, oh, uh, Chicory. Chicory, yeah. Yes. Um, I think this game handles the whole black and white thing a bit nicer than Chicory did, perhaps. Um, Got you, okay. But but yeah, it's it's. I thought this game was really cool. Um, I think that I I never felt like I was going to be the person to go in hundred percent at all. I think some of no. the more intricate tasks they want you to do are quite difficult and challenging, um, and really take a lot of puzzle solving. I'm pretty sure I did everything in this game. I think I did do every task. Um, you did every task? Out. Yes, I did. I, oh, I, wow. I, I think it took me, like, maybe five, six hours to do everything, okay, but yeah, yeah, I really did enjoy just going around and doing everything. I, obviously, you're playing this just trying to finish it before we, you know, record and everything. A little um, bit, but, um, yeah. But yeah, so, but I, I definitely, I took my time with it as well. I think the really nice thing about this game is how it plays with perspective, where you know, you see it as you're wandering around the world, it's isometric, but at any moment you snap into first person with your camera yeah. and then you can look around the world and it's really nice where you maybe go up to a place and you look behind a building that you, is blocking something. You yeah. can't see it from the isometric perspective, but and as soon as you go in first person, you can then look at the world through a different lens and see things hidden. I, I think that'll be the number one reason why it is those little dioramas that you walk between because if they were rendering an entire world... Yeah every time you went back into first person it might lose a bit of the 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 charming nature of what they're trying yeah. to go for where it's like you can just see what you're looking at in this diorama before yeah. moving to the next one i think so. it's also like a mental load thing where it's like yeah. oh where did i see the pigeons oh they are on that screen that i associate with this bench and i know where that is relative yes. to things right um so i think it's a nice little design thing as well which is very cool um i also also shout outs to the developer name which i just love they are called something we made yeah which i just think is such a cool little like indie developer name to mm -hmm. go here's yeah. something we made and it really has that like you would believe that that this is the type of game a developer named something we made would kind of make like this feels like very handcrafted very right you know charming cute uh short but you know impactful and i, I really like that about Toem. um very very good game yeah, no, it's great. I, I had a great time with it, and I'm glad you finally got around to it. Yeah, I think it was our number 
10 or 9 last yeah, year? Yeah, I think on it our, made our it onto... Maybe it was 2021, but I think it definitely made it... Oh, was it 21? Oh, yeah, because I believe it was in the year of unpacking and a bunch of that stuff, right? right so, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm... I'm uh, a big fan of term and i think uh yeah again if you're looking for great like that we should probably do a, a list at some point of like what are the top 10 short games on switch that people should check mm, out mm. Uh, i definitely put this on there i think definitely uh, along yeah. with a lot of others uh, that we great love game. So, yeah term is great all righty uh my number four uh, my number four is another game that has been sticking around with me for a lot of this year that I've come back to a lot and eventually finally wrapped up. Um, that is Rogue Legacy 2. Um, so I was a mm. huge fan of the original Rogue Legacy, um, the first game that really got me into roguelikes in the first place. And I never finished Rogue Legacy 1. I think I only ever beat the first boss in that game. Uh, and then just I kind of dropped off it because that's kind of how I treated roguelikes back then. Uh, I never really was into finishing them necessarily. And as the years have gone on, uh, roguelikes have, you know, been something that uh, initially I was very, you know, against to becoming one of my favorite genres in the space which is a very weird turn that's happened but i think that they have just gotten better and better as the years have gone on and some of the best games that have come out have been in that space um so i was very interested in checking out rogue legacy 2 and it's a really big step up in so many ways i think visually it is stunning like i think there's that thing in, a, in your mind's eye where you're like oh yeah this probably looks like what rogue legacy 1 looked like and then you go back to rogue legacy 1 you're like oh no that was a fully pixel art game and it looks way different to this and nowhere near as like crisp and polished rogue legacy 2 it's, it's rendered in 3d but it's in that stylized way where it's kind of like mario wonder in a way where it's like it's in 3d rendered but in a art style that is so aesthetically pleasing that it almost feels 2d in that way right uh, and the characters and the sharp sheen to them it's just it's a gorgeous looking uh thing and that is a real standout element of the game and, and part of the reason why it's so cool um but overall it's just the way that it's structured is super different where you will have an area and that area's goal is okay can i find the thing in here that opens up the boss room and fight the boss and then once you've beaten that boss you can then find the next area but you never have to play through that previous area again you'll get a teleporter so you finish that first area you get a teleporter that means every time you start a run you can teleport straight to the next area you want to tackle and so it's, it's almost segmented roguelike where you're having this one area that you're doing you're usually spending 20 to 30 minutes in that one space fighting a boss and then you can complete it move on to the next one and it gives it a bit more of a traditional game feel um which i think you might like bally as someone else mm. who finds it you know roguelikes are tricky to be like when am i done with a roguelike you know um with rogue legacy 2 because it has the segmented nature to it it does feel almost metroidvania in a way because you also get abilities as you go so like dead cells you'll get different things that let you traverse places you wouldn't be able to get to before um so there is a more of a linear approach to it and, and the, the nice thing about it is like i started it on my plane to gdc back in march and i think i finished it in like september and that is constantly me just chipping away at it you know similar to the ramp right when i was playing rogue legacy 2 that was my go-to in bed game where it's like mm. great i've got half an hour before i go to sleep let's do a run let's get through this area see how far i can get through it that's good restraint to not yeah. just be like and now it's 3 a.m and i've uh -huh. not slept no know? definitely i think that's why roguelike that's why i've gravitated more towards roguelikes they are the perfect before bed experience where mm. you know that a run will take maximum yeah. you know 40 it's minutes it's not open world game where you're like oh crap yes. it's now 
the time has just flown yeah by. playing tears of the kingdom in bed terrible yeah. idea never do that just don't um but with roguelikes it's like well i know i'm gonna have a cap there's a hard cap on how long this can go for before i either die and you know sometimes it's like oh i died in five minutes let's do another one because i've got enough time to do that right so there's a there's a fun to it as well of like oh that wasn't a real run now i've got to do one real like run us before passing the controller between each other yeah back in the day like no that wasn't proper to go I yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like that one time where we were all doing that last level of galaxy 2 <laughs> at your place like oh my god um but yeah rogue legacy 2 is definitely um a it just it, it ups the ante in so many different ways there's like eight or nine different classes with different weapons and styles i gravitated towards the chef the chef is so cool because basically what it does is you hit someone with the pan and they start taking damage over time so what you could do is you could hit enemies just wander away hit another enemy and by the time you'd hit the other enemy the previous one had died from damage over time with the pan where the pan just like keeps him on fire basically and i loved that the chef was just like a kind of a hit and run character where you hit him jump away and they'd all the the room would eventually be cleared out from that uh, and i really loved playing as as that archetype it was the one that i leveled up the most and each character you, you know you have kind of a level for each of those types which is great um just so much variety and loads of stuff i think you know the way that it has kind of a definitive ending to it made me less like hades want to go back to it because i was like well i'm done now i'm kind of finished yeah, yeah. um but I, I appreciated that about it as well because i i definitely put like 35 40 hours into rogue legacy 2 over the course of like six or so months and um yeah i think it's great and honestly i think you can probably skip the first game and just go to this one because i think it's just better in every single way okay um and just are they linked super narratively i don't think there's any narrative it, i mean there is now here's a th- again this is one of these things valley where if it's a game where i don't care about the narrative i just won't pay attention to it <laughs> there is so much like there's these rooms where you can read these diary entries i clicked a on them and just instantly closed them every single time um i just didn't i i don't there's there's a story here i have no idea what it was about um but yes i don't think it's worth playing rogue legacy one just to uh get to rogue legacy two is what i'm saying okay. you can jump in with two and think you'll be right. fine so yeah nice all right uh number three ballet three well this is where i reveal myself as a big big old cheater uh-huh um, so i'm gonna do three and two uh, and those games are Advance Wars Reboot Camp. Oh. Um, so for those who don't know, both games are in the one game. And yes, it's a remake, but equally it's kind of a remaster in a way because it's just been up and mechanically there's not a whole lot different to these no. games. So um, for the purposes of having 10 games, I thought it was a good place to stick this yeah. game this this is the one thing where it is going to ruin the list valley because i can't put the same thing twice in one list so it's just going to be reboot camp <gasps> well you could just put the original games you can put advance wars 2 and then put advance wars 1 oh that's true i could put one plus two that's true yeah, yeah that's no, very true you don't very have true. to put reboot camp in there uh, um and yeah i think advance wars 2 i would rate at number two and advance wars 1 at number three and that's just because wow, okay that's really interesting because i think I, uh, my sense was that you found Advance Wars 2 is even more brutal this time than you did previously. Yes, I, I, I won't shy away from still admitting those final few levels are incredibly brutal, but I stand by it's more fun to play as all the different COs. And then there's a, there's a multitude of missions where you can mix and match your favorite COs and they they fight together essentially in two. Whereas one, you're always playing as the red army or red not red army the red well like the orange star army against mm-hmm. all the other armies and then it's kind of only by the end that you're facing sturm whereas 
the second game you're always facing uh black hole rising their army so you're constantly mixing up all the different um co's more in the second game which i enjoyed more and it's a more of a challenging game um but yeah both games are still fantastic i i think i spent 40 50 hours or something with both these games like it took me a while uh and i I had a blast um i will say i did also play war groove 2 this year and yes i did have a slightly better time with that game than these games but advanced Wars still holds up i still want more advanced wars i still think nintendo have it in them that you know this was uh these re- uh, remakes were remake i should say was way forward but uh you know maybe someone else could have a go maybe way forward could make their own unique game i don't know but mm-hmm. um these games are really strong i think that strategically you know chess style based turn based tactics uh i'm still really really into especially with um the setting like I, I still really enjoy the kind of the cutesy tanks and this that and the other and it was it was nice that this game did finally come out in the political context um and yeah i had a damn good time i'm really interested to know how well it's sold i'm a bit nervous yeah i feel like it's one of those games nintendo hasn't given numbers for which is probably not a great sign no um and equally once it came out they didn't exactly promote it a ton in the same way no (laughs) with other games and yeah but really feel like it was just cursed right from the beginning a little bit Um, a little bit um but we'll see. Who knows where Advance Wars goes? And if an Advance Wars never comes out again, I am still quite happy with where Wargroove is at. And um, I think the future of turn-based strategy tactics is is doing fine. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I still really rate Advance Wars, and that's why they're number two and three on this list. Oh, taking out so much space here, right at the top, Advance Wars, as always. Um, <laughs> so my number three, I think, is your number one, Bally. Probably. So, yeah. So. My number three is Metro Prime Federation Force, we but well, let's let's skip it for now because I, right. we can have a conversation when you uh, talk about let's it, number one. Let's jump on to my number two, which is Chained Echoes. Oh, baby. Uh, so uh, obviously this came out at the end of last year, the very end of last year. And I think some people are like, well, should we count it for this year's game of the year and stuff like that? And It's tricky. It could go in either list. It could go in either list. And I've had it in both lists this whole time. Ultimately, like, you haven't played it yet and i think it's fine to just not have it on that list um and it did technically come out last year so um, i decided to put it here uh it is one of my favorite things i've played this year uh clearly at number two um i think this game just it is what if jrpgs grew up what if jrpgs looked at themselves and said hey we've been fucking around for too long we've been saddling players with a bunch of bullshit how about we just clean up our room like jrpgs are an unruly teenager you know their room is dirty there's ramen pots in the cupboard it's just no one has been in that room for ages and all of a sudden chain echoes is like what if something happened to that jrpg person and they Mm. suddenly got their shit together and they're like i'm gonna clean up my act that's what this game is it says no you don't have to worry about grinding yes you can run away from any battle with no consequence uh you can switch out party members and there'll be no effect in fact it's part of the strategy uh you know you don't have to worry about regening and refilling health and mana between battles we'll just do that for you it just has all these things that for me are these constant plagues on the smoothness of a jrpg experience and just lets them all go and you know what it's all the better for it 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 just really 
trims the fat and makes it into such a more streamlined experience. It made it so that anytime I jumped in, I was never worried about any of those things. And I just could have a really enjoyable time running through these awesome looking places with this really lovely hand, not hand drawn, this pixel art style that evokes 16 bits, um, but is a bit more advanced than that. Um, amazing soundtrack, just really, really great music throughout. I think, you know, it's interesting that this and Sea of Stars have come out so close to each other because, like I've said before, they really are the Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger of kind of indie RPGs where Chained Echoes is Final Fantasy VI and it has a really ensemble cast all these characters are unique and different it will cut away to these political goings on in the world and have a bunch of cutscenes. and you're like what does any of that mean and you won't understand until later or until you replay the game um it really focuses on a wild twisting story that has some real cool stuff in the end game and though the writing itself is a little bit off because it was written by matthias linder who is a german speaker first and foremost it has a little bit of that kind of classic uh charm of those rpgs where localization was a little rough back in the day you know final fantasy 6 is a really well written game but you can definitely see that it was like a little bit of a rough localization and this even captures that because of the fact that it's not a you know a native english speaker who's writing the game um which i think does add a bit to the charm honestly um and and yeah i i just really love the uniqueness of this combat system the fact that it's this whole like this bar where you have to keep your dial between the green kind of section Mm. if you go into the red you get punished if you go below you get punished and it's this balance of i want to attack these enemies but i need to make a decision to make sure that i stay in the green the whole time it's a real balance and one of the most interesting combat systems i've seen in a really long time in a game like this ultimately for me this comes out as a stronger game than sea of stars i like it more i think it speaks to me more um and i think both games are really really great and they're excellent and they do their own thing and i think it's great that they can both exist um but for me chained echoes really is the one to beat and it's a little bit of a shame that it's not got as much critical acclaim or sales as sea of stars because sea of stars i think strange time doesn't help yeah kind of a really awkward time and i think sea of stars is just a bit more pretty like it's just a bit more polished and pretty and has a bit more of a glow about it a bit more of a it's a bit more triple i i would say sea of stars and so it's naturally going to get more attention from a mainstream crowd but at its heart at its core chained echoes is the one that really sings and if you're a if you're a big rpg fan i feel like chained echoes is the one that you're going to come out on the other side being a bigger fan of um and yeah i'm really interested to follow what matthias linda does next because this is a stellar first effort honestly and i think that there's a lot more that can be kind of wrung out of this uh, kind of modernizing of of this genre and, and what they can do with it um tremendous just like awesome all around and yeah one of my very favorite things i've played so awesome. chained echoes my number two great Shall I go to my number one? Yes, let's talk about it. It is, of course, Metroid Prime Federation Force. Yeah, of course, yes. My number three, Metroid Prime Federation Force. What a game, Bally. Who oh, would have thought uh, game. that in the year what 2023, we go back to this often maligned 3DS entry, Black Sheep of the Series, you might say. Yes. Uh, and it turns out it's fucking great. <laughs> Actually, it's really good and everyone's wrong. Uh so, yeah. yeah, we did spend a whole episode talking about this game um, with listener of the show, Matt Logan, who obviously played with us. Yes. Um, and I stand by what I said. I think that, you know, my fear going into it was this would be pseudo Halo. And what I mean meant by that was we're going to go and face some waves of enemies. And beyond that, I'm 
nervous about how the game mixes up design, keeps it fresh, what the boss is like, what's the level design like. And it excels in all of those. I think it's got a great variety of bosses. It's a great variety of what you're doing in each level. There's very small amounts of repetition when it comes to waves of enemies. And don't get me wrong, there are still waves of enemies in different in different guises, I guess you could say. But I never felt like the game was like, oh, here we go again. Maybe one or two errors. But for the most part, it just felt fresh and exciting to like explore a new level and see what unfolded and how do you defeat this boss. And obviously playing together cooperatively is great fun. I think the co-op aspect is done pretty well. Biggest downside is probably my fingers feeling sore from like first person shooting combat on a 3DS. It Mm -hmm. was not fun at all. But on the upside with the 3DS, the 3D looked fantastic. So if I could have like a comfortable controller but still got the benefit of the 3D, that would be amazing. But um, Metro Prime Federation Force should not be missed. Although... If you have missed it, I guess it's hard to play now. But it's still a great game, and I'm I'm really gra- glad that we managed to play it. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I again, it's just it's it's just uh, it's up the standards for Metro Prime. I don't think Metro Prime can really stand up to it at this point. You know, it's just <laughs> uh, raised the bar so high. Are they going to um, introduce co-op to Metro Prime Four? Well, you know, maybe I'd be more interested in Metro Prime Ooh, Four if that was the ooh. case. Uh, you know, if you could carry maybe you me should through play it. Metro Prime Remastered and then make it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> oh god, I wish by this point in time I had, uh, but I don't have the ammo yet. I still need uh. to play it. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I loved the. I just loved the experience of playing this. This was great fun. Like you know, every week or so, or every you know, whenever we had time, jumping on uh, in the evening and just having you know an hour or hour and a half of let's do a couple of levels and or until my fingers got sore. Yeah, exactly. And Bally was like, "We need to stop now. I'm gonna die." So uh, that was that was just great. And uh, yeah, shout out to Matt. Thanks so much to him for for playing along with us. I think it would have been a much lesser experience with just two of us playing it. Oh, um, I think the game is not balanced in that way. Really, the game is balanced for four players, and I think we struggled because we had three. Right? Like, there's definitely. You know, I don't think we fully died on some of those fights, but we got damn close, and it was always mm. just a by the skin of our teeth getting oh, yeah, through it. Oh, yeah, Really good difficulty balance, for sure. Yes, yeah. So I with almost... Yeah, I almost did prefer it with three, because I wonder if four would have just been a bit too easy, um, or at least might have yeah. not tested us. I helped us that Matt was way. very good at the game. Yeah, exactly, if yes. If was less good, then I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, no, it was great, and I, I love the idea of, like, um, one person can go off and find a secret, and then everybody gets rewarded for it, right, with the mod chip system, right. where it doesn't matter if, you know, you're hanging out and doing something else, your friend could be over in a corner and find something, and it, everyone's like, oh, nice one, you found the chip, where, where did you find it? And be like, oh, I saw that secret, and it's like, who's the one to spot the secret, you know, it's always a fun thing, so... Uh, yeah, I love it. Metro Prime Federation Force. I'm glad that it's the, at the top of a list because uh, exactly. it, it deserves to be there uh, in in some ways. So, love it. All right, Bally, are you ready for my number one? Yeah, I can't even think what this game is. Okay, here we go. Well, Bally, finally, it's been many years long, many years in the making. I finally completed my full transformation into a weeb. It's now happened. I'm here. Uh, last oh, year, of course, some random crap. <laughs> last year, of course. Uh, my number two game was AI the Somnium Files, right? Oh, my number go, one was okay. Beat Saber, right? This year, Bally... Is Beat I, Saber a weeby game? No, no, no. I'm, that's why I'm saying my transformation is now complete because okay, last year, a visual, a visual novel was my number two last year. But right. now, 
it is my number one and okay. it has to be the game that really i should have played 13 years ago when james jones on rfn told me to um, nine 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 hours nine persons nine doors i fucking love this game it is so good uh a lot of this experience was obviously with the discord um everyone in there there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are fans of this game uh, you put together a, f- a podcast we did we we did an entire podcast where i got folks from discord to jump on with me to talk about it people who are i need to play this game and then listen to that podcast yes absolutely aim. absolutely and and so like we had this whole experience of chatting through it and them telling me about the original ds version because i played it on steam deck on pc because that's the most accessible version today but like mind-blowing revelations were had where there are things that this game does on ds that simply no other video game console could do that this game is made for the nintendo ds and there are story revelations related to the fact that is a ds game it's fucking mind-blowing and it almost makes me wish that i had played the ds version but the thing with the ds version is it's not as refined in terms of the replayability a a lot of the reason you play these games is you get to an ending and it's a bad ending and like the first ending i got to like i was just stabbed in the back by somebody and i didn't know who it was and my character died and that's an ending after playing like nine hours of the game that was the end and that's not a satisfying ending and so what you do is you go back into the timeline and you make different choices you make different decisions and that splinters down this whole chart where there's like four or five different branches and going through every single timeline seeing what gets revealed the revealing of information in this game the way that it is done the masterful way in which it subverts expectations and then just throws in these wild things these these whole kind of situations you have with characters where they start talking pseudoscience and just these wild things um that are going on it's this real mix of real world stuff with a lot of supernatural and just kind of as i say pseudoscience like stuff that could be reality but isn't um it's remarkably good it's so well written uh it's really well voice acted as well um and i i just think it is it's just a great experience top to bottom the ending like it's i feel like this year generally when i look back on it i haven't been super compelled to like really like there's not been many games that grabbed me and shook me and said all i want to do is play this video game um and i don't know if that's just a thing of like you know just being tired or whatever or or stuff like that or just also you're also harder to please as a gamer maybe but i don't know i think like there's there's a there's a not burnout but like you know we we just played so many games and we just do this so often that it sometimes is like it takes a lot to just kind of grab you and just really like all i want to do is play this game and when i got to the last like five six hours of this i could not be stopped i was just glued to my screen wanting to find out what happened right just the revelations that took place the reveals the the mystery um it just absolutely wouldn't let go of me and i think that to me speaks to why it's my number one is just because you know it was it was kind of a slow ramp and i think the middle of the game does have a little bit of bagginess to it but that ending and the way that it just all comes together it just sticks so strongly with me and um and yeah i so i've been told by everybody that the sequel to this game virtue's last reward is even better is like Mm. way better and that to me is the most exciting thing you could say because if i like 999 this much 
dear god am i excited to play the sequel uh so uh it's yeah it's it's fantastic and i i strongly recommend that people check it out uh and yeah uh that is my number one nine 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 hours nine persons nine doors and with that bally i am now a weeb please uh, declare me uh, as the pope there we go the weeb pope um so that's it that's our list bally um it's uh, i told you i had 10 games you did you did you somehow had 10 games <laughs> uh which you know I, I i think this list should always uh have as many loopholes as possible i think it's the list that i i'm the most chill with where i'm like eh, you know this is how it's going to be um and uh yeah i think that i appreciate uh that uh yeah you managed to pull it all together uh at the last minute which is great yeah just about so bali shall we uh rattle back through our lists and uh tell everybody what they were in order Uh, do you want to go first my number 10 was sports story my number nine was immersed number eight pilot wing 64 number seven solar ash number six mario kart 8 i guess that's mario kart 8 deluxe yes Uh, number five disc room number four toem number three advance wars reboot camp advance wars one uh number two advance wars reboot camp advance wars two and number one was metroid prime federation force lovely stuff uh, my number 10 was The Ramp. My number 9 was Mega Man 6. Number 8 was Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood. Number 7 was Lost Judgment, The Kaito Files. Number 6 was A Plague Tale Requiem. Number 5 was Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, number 4 was Rogue Legacy 2. Number 3 was Metroid Prime Federation Force. Number 2 was Chained Echoes. And number 1 was 999. 9 hours, 9 persons, 9 doors um yeah i'm pretty happy with my list this year i think there's definitely some stuff that i would have liked to get to um and you know i I counted and i think my balance this year i still did play more old games than new games but it is a very kind of like fickle balance now between uh you know how many there were um so it was uh i think next year is probably hopefully going to be a little bit different Uh, yeah like this like we were saying this was an insane year for a number of new releases and it's completely bogged me down to make this a a properly fleshed out list Mm -hmm. and um i three games i really want to get to and i know that all three of them will probably feature in my top 10 uh, are sea of stars dave the diver and dredge like Mm. i really want to get to all three of those games sea of stars is already on game pass the other two are on switch i'm confident at least one or both will be on game pass at least by halfway through next year so yeah um i definitely want to get to all three of those games because long games fishing games you know i i Ali is a fishing game aficionado i do like i do like that type of game so i yeah. think dave the diver will hook me hard uh, excuse the pun yeah i've been looking at it i was very close to buying it in the steam sale uh recently and i probably will break and buy it over christmas when it goes on sale for the game award sale uh, nice. i probably will do that so i hear the switch version might have some issues are you gonna get it on steam deck yeah i'm gonna get it on steam so i can play it either on pc or on steam deck um but uh yeah I think it, it it's probably good on switch i've heard good things about it on switch but maybe loading times is the problem there. yeah i might get so, it on like series x yeah yeah um, that quick resume absolutely uh so a couple of games for me that didn't quite make the cut uh were grapple dog uh grapple dog is a really cool little platformer that i played that i enjoyed that was very cool um but uh, didn't quite make the list and kuru kuru kururin uh which i played for the first time last year the classic stick spinning game uh that uh you know was added to nintendo switch online uh out of nowhere which was very very nice and uh 
I enjoyed it a lot. It was one of those games where I did have to just abuse save states. Otherwise, I just never would have finished it because it is the end of that game is just like are you fucking kidding me you expect me to get through this entire like two minute sequence not getting hit at all uh you have got to be joking so uh kura kura kurin uh very much the dark souls of puzzle games i guess like spinning stick puzzle games is fucking difficult uh but it's very very cool as an idea as a concept um i'm glad that i finally got around to that kind of weird piece of nintendo history so um that definitely uh, could have featured uh, disc room as well. Another one uh, that you mentioned was uh, close, mm. but didn't quite make it for me. But um, but yeah, I uh, I think for me, Bali next year in terms of old games I want to play, I did spend a lot of this year buying 3DS games. So I should probably make good on actually playing those 3DS games. So I think part of my uh, my thing next year is going to be I got to play some of those old 3DS games that I bought uh, and make good on. Uh, playing them because i spent a lot of money just getting that collection yeah, in shape yeah. and uh i do want to play all of them so i definitely want to do that if i can find the time i would not be surprised if my number one next year is elden ring oh boy okay that would yeah. be a nice thing to happen we'll absolutely see. yeah absolutely so fingers crossed we shall see but that is going to do us for today's episode thanks everybody for listening uh thanks everybody for sending in their lists as well and uh hopefully you enjoyed our lists also but bali we're not done with lists people can no. of course send lists in for their game of the years for 2023 uh, and where can they send those to please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com absolutely and if you would like to take part in a little uh community game of the year i am going to be posting when this episode goes live uh in discord on twitter uh probably try and put a link of it into the description of this show uh, i'm going to be posting a google form uh which basically will ask you for five games your five favorite games are of the year that came out on switch um you don't have to have five games you can have two games you can have three games but just fill in however many games you have uh on that five list and what i will do is i will take that list collate them all together and uh on the final show of the year on our game of the year show at the very end i will read out what the listener voted game of the year is and we'll go in order and we'll see what everyone voted for and see what the community's choice was we've done this the last couple of years it's been really good fun um so uh, i will post that on twitter discord and uh, in the description here uh, just fill out the google form again you don't have to have the full five games but uh whatever ones you've played on switch uh then put those in there and uh yeah we will uh we'll see what wins what happens mm. um so looking forward to hearing and seeing all that uh bali we of course have some people who support us on patreon.com slash this nintendo life where they can go for bonus episodes and fun things like that uh we would like to uh thank some of our supporters as well as uh, introduce some new uh supporters as well yes thank you to our new patrons we have declan p and brad w thank you both for your brand new patronage but also thank you to our ten dollar tier plus patrons uh they are zach s thomas matthew albert wicked gamer uk allen and turtle thank you all for your support and thank you to all of our patrons um we really 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 appreciate the support you give the show um and we should definitely plug that you know next week a week from when this episode comes out uh, we will be releasing our non-tendo game of the year list so that'll be a joint list made by myself and mbz probably a top five games mm -hmm. of the yep. year and that will be games that did not 
um, come out on not on Nintendo consoles. So yes. there'll be lots to discuss and debate over the, over on that show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, check that out if you're so interested. For a single dollar. Absolutely. Uh, you can obviously find us on various places on the inter- internet. We're on uh, Twitter and places, and you can follow us at TNL Podcast to get updates on the show, what's happening, uh, that Google form that I mentioned for voting uh, for Community Game of the Year. Uh, you can obviously find links to our Discord there, so if you want to join the community, hop in uh, with a bunch of these fine folks who sent their uh, lists for their goatee tea to coaties through our Discord as well. Um, and you can also find our YouTube channel there, uh, where you can listen if you're not a podcast app person. Uh, that is an option for you. Also, uh, you can find me on twitter at lord mbz where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 good stuff and you can also find the show in various places we're on spotify we're on stitcher we are all over the shop you can download us review us give us those five stars wherever you go it would be a great fun time we would enjoy it and appreciate it greatly uh, so yeah thank you we got some nice stats on our spotify yes rap, spotify so wrapped happened didn't thank it? you to everyone who's like started listening to us this year on spotify because apparently there's a bunch of you which is yes good to see absolutely um always nice to see that uh every year the spotify wrapped thing uh which just shows our spotify audience growing uh, a lot more i think more people listen through spotify now which is very cool uh not me i would never do that uh i, I have a i think you and i have very fickle podcast taste and the app that we use oh god we're gonna be like downloading and it's just like skype valley it's just yeah, exactly just like, like last time i'm like i will i look i hate pocket cast in a lot of way because it is way inferior to what it used to be but it's still the best option i have for podcasts mm. like i just got this new phone i was complaining to you i didn't get to talk to you fully about it when we were chatting with ali t but holy shit pocket cast need to sort out what they're doing when it comes to transferring stuff across from one phone to another because i had to manually fucking go through and archive five thousand episodes that were in my unplayed list and i'm like that is that breaks me that fucking breaks me because my unplayed list had to be 200 and i had to fucking whittle it down from five thousand because god pocket cast is just a mess just a mess when you transfer you had so. five thousand unplayed podcasts you were intending well, it's, on no to. it wasn't me it was pocket cast fault basically anything before 2019 it wasn't wasn't properly archived so it was like it thought i hadn't listened to them but i had and so i had to man it was a whole uh, mess yeah. it was it took me at least like an hour to go through and just organize oh, it and set it right yeah um, i man- when i swapped phones i had to manually resubscribe to every podcast oh. it was just like it's my yeah. least favorite thing if you're one of those people who listens to like four podcasts, it's fine. It's yeah, easy. yeah. And you listen to how many did I subscribe to? It's some ridiculous number. I think my number this year was Spotify told me that I listened to, not Spotify. My pocket my pocket cast wrapped told me that I listened to fifty six different shows this year. Fifty six. Yeah, I'm. And I'm, over, I'm slightly over 1, fewer shows, episodes. but I'm also apparently listening to more, which was scary. Um, uh huh. Uh-huh. Insane I, I realize I don't that, want to um, say. I can't say. No, I know you don't want to say. I realized that you didn't post your stats last year either. It was just <laughs> me. And Bali's just too afraid I'm to put his stats out into the wild. Let me tell you, uh, Bali did beat me in terms I of beat, number of hours by, step. let's say, a significant margin this time. So <laughs> oh, that was God. interesting. Uh, yeah. But Bali, uh, I hand over the crown to you as the new podcast king. Uh, so, I'll take it for this year. Yeah. We'll see who can wear the crown next year. We will see indeed. Uh, but uh, that will be far away for now. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back in a couple of weeks' time with the final episode of the year, our game of the year. I'm going to get my arguments ready 
ready. I'm Get your arguments ready. I'm also going to try and beat Tears of the Kingdom in this time. So. And I'm going to try and be beat fun. Octopath Traveler wow. 2, Bally. So that would make for a good discussion. That would make for a very interesting discussion. So uh, let's uh, let's get on with it and let's get playing. And uh, everyone, we'll see you very soon. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. on today's show was the main theme from Watermelon Game, otherwise known as Suica Game, developed by Aladdin X. It's the name of the developer, Aladdin X. Copyright Aladdin X 2021.